This is Jocko Podcast number 83 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. On the 19th of February, 1945, after three days of heavy pre-landing bombardment, which attempted to destroy the heavy fortifications that the Japanese had built. On that day, the 19th of February, 1945, American amphibious forces, primarily U.S. Marines of the 3rd, 4th, and 5th Marine Divisions, along with soldiers from the U.S. Army's 147th Infantry Regiment, landed on the island of Iwo Jima. By the end of the first day, some battalions had a casualty rate of over 80%. On the morning of 20 February 1945, Marine Corps 1st Lieutenant Isaacs was taking cover in a foxhole about 300 yards from the beach when he was hit by a Japanese mortar strike. He was severely wounded in his left arm and in his head. He was evacuated to a hospital ship offshore, which is where he died the next day on February 21st, 1945. And it was about two months prior to that On December 17, 1945, that First Lieutenant Leonard Smith Isaacs had written a letter to his two boys. Now, I have a lot of people ask me questions about parenting. I got four kids, so so people want to know my thoughts on it. People also obviously ask me about war. And they asked me what kind of advice I have for my son. And I think that First Lieutenant Isaacs answers many of these questions a lot better than I ever could. And here's what he told them in that letter. December 17th, 1944. My dear little boys, I'm writing you today, just a week before Christmas Eve, in, in the hope that you will get this little note at Christmas time. All of this coming week will be holidays, and I can just imagine the fun you will be having, especially when you know it's just a few days before Santa Claus will be coming. If it were possible, I would like to come down the chimney myself and crawl right into your stocking. Wouldn't that be a surprise? I would enjoy it even more than you. But since your dad is far away and Santa Claus has the only reindeers that will fly through here, I'm afraid we'll have to let Santa Claus use them. After all, he has so many places to go in such a short time. I won't be able to give you a Christmas present personally this year. But I do want you to know that I think of you all the time and feel very proud of the way you have been helping your mother while I'm gone. 
I know that it's only natural for young, healthy, and strong boys like you are to want to play and have fun all the time. But I do want you to think about helping mummy because it is hard for her to do everything while I'm gone. I know that you would like to give me a Christmas present too. So I will tell you what you can do and this will be your Christmas present to me. Every day, ask mommy if there are errands that you can do for her. And when there are errands to run, say sure mommy and then give her a big smile. Then during the day, go up to your room and look around. If there are toys scattered all around or you left some of your clothes on the floor, pick them up. Also, when mummy is busy trying to clean up the house, don't leave her by herself. But ask mummy if you can help her take care of baby sister. If you do those things for me, that will be the finest Christmas present that you could give me. Oh yes, and Cece, are you eating your meals like a real man now? Well, my boys, I guess you often wonder why people fight and have wars and why lots of daddies have to be away this Christmas time at fighting when it would be much nicer to be at home. That's a hard question to answer. But you see, some countries like Japan and Germany have people living in them just like people you and I know. Those people want to tell Everybody what they can do and what they can't do No one likes to be told how to live their life I know that you wouldn't like it if one of the boys in the neighborhood tried to tell you what church you should go to What school you should go to and particularly if that boy would always be trying to beat up some smaller or weaker boy You wouldn't like it would you? And unfortunately, the only way to make a person like that stop these sort of things or a country like Japan or Germany is to fight them and beat them and teach them that being a bully, because after all, that's what they are, is not the way to live and that we won't put up with it. What does all of this mean to you? Just simply this, my boys. Dad doesn't ever want you to be a bully. I want you to always fight against anyone who tries to be one. I want you to always help the smaller fellow or the little boy who may not be as strong as you. I want you to always share what you have with the other fellow and above all, my boys, have courage. Have courage to do the things that you think are right. Never be afraid to fight for what you think is right. To do those things, you need a strong body and a brave heart. Never run away from someone you may be afraid of. If you do, you will feel ashamed of yourself. And before long, you will find it so easy to run away from the things that you should stand up and fight against. If you and lots of other boys try to do the things that Dad has been talking about in this letter, it may be that people will not have to fight wars in the years to come and then all the daddies in this world will be home for Christmas and that is where they belong perhaps some of the things that I've been talking about you don't quite understand if you don't mommy will explain them to you she knows
Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. God bless you. Daddy. And obviously, many brave Americans stood and fought for what they believed in on that tiny island of Iwo Jima. And they suffered massive losses to gain that victory over the course of that five-week battle. 19,217 were wounded, 6,821 were killed. And First Lieutenant Leonard Smith Isaacs, Marine, husband, father, Daddy was buried at sea. Thirty four years old. Reading that letter made me think about another letter I had read from another parent and it's another letter that I find to be just an incredible guide to not only to parenting but to living and this one was written not by a father but by a mother and it's not a letter to a son but to a daughter And the daughter's name was Jana. And the mother's name was Dr. Mialda Horakova. And she wrote the letter from prison while she was on trial for treason and for conspiracy on trial by the Soviet-backed communist government of Czechoslovakia after they had taken control of the country in a coup. And she and her fellow so-called conspirators were jailed and tortured and then put through a grandiose show trial. And she knew. She knew that she was going to be made an example of. She knew she was facing death. And the night before her execution, she wrote a letter to her daughter. who was 16 at the time, and this is some of what she wrote. My only little girl, Jana, 
God blessed my life as a woman with you. As your father wrote in the poem from German prison, God gave you to us because he loved us. Apart from your father's magic, amazing love, you were the greatest gift I received from fate. However, Providence planned my life in such a way that I could not give you nearly all that my mind and heart had prepared for you. The reason was not that I loved you little. I love you just as purely and fervently as other mothers love their children. But I understood that my task here in the world was to do you good by seeing to it that life becomes better and that all children can live well. And therefore, we often had to be apart for a long time. It is now already for the second time that fate has torn us apart. Don't be frightened and sad because I am not coming back anymore. Learn, my child, to look at life early as a serious matter. Life is hard. It does not pamper anybody. And for every time it strokes you, it gives you ten blows. Become accustomed to that soon. But don't let it defeat you. Decide to fight. Have courage and clear goals and you will win over life. Much is still unclear to your young mind and I don't have time left to explain to you things I, you would still like to ask me. One day when you grow up you will wonder and wonder why your mother who loved you and whose greatest gift you were managed her life so strangely. Perhaps then you will find the right solution to this problem, perhaps a better one than I could give you today myself. Of course, you will not only be able to solve it correctly and truthfully by knowing very, very much, not only from books, but from people. Learn from everybody, no matter how unimportant. Go through the world with open eyes and listen not only to your own pains and interests, but also to the pains, interests, and longings of others. Don't ever think of anything as none of your business. No, everything must interest you, and you should reflect about everything, compare and compose individual phenomena. Man doesn't live in the world alone. In that, there is great happiness, but also a tremendous responsibility. That obligation is, first of all, in not being and acting exclusive, but rather merging with the needs and the goals of others. This does not mean to be lost in the multitude, but it is to know that I am part of all and to bring one's best into that community. If you do that, you will succeed in contributing to the common goals of human society.
be more aware of one principle than I have been. Approach everything in life constructively. Be a, beware of unnecessary negation. I'm not saying all negation, because I believe that one should resist evil. But in order to be a truly positive person in all circumstances, one has to learn how to distinguish real gold from tinsel. It is hard because tinsel sometimes glitters so dazzlingly. I confess, my child, that often in my life I was dazzled by glitter. And sometimes it even shone so falsely that one dropped pure gold from one's hand and reached for or ran after false gold. You know that to organize one's scales of values means to know not only oneself well, but to be in firm in the analysis of one's character, but also to know others, to know as much as possible of the world, its past, its present, and future. In short, to understand. Not to close one's ears before anything and for no reason. Not even to shut out the thoughts and opinions of anybody who stepped on my toes or even wounded me deeply. Examine. Think. Criticize. Yes, mainly criticize yourself. Don't be ashamed to admit a truth you have come to realize even though you proclaim the opposite a little while ago. Don't become obstinate about your opinions. But when you come to consider something right, then be so definite that you can fight and die for it. As Walker said, death is not bad. Just avoid gradual dying, which is what happens when one suddenly finds oneself apart from the real life of others. You have to put down your roots where fate has determined you to, for you to live. You have to find your own way. Look for it independently. Don't let anything turn you away from it, not even the memory of your mother and father. If you really love them, you won't hurt them by seeing them critically. Just don't go on a road which is wrong, dishonest, and does not harmonize with life. I have changed my mind many times, rearranged many values, but what was left as an, as an essential value, without which I cannot imagine my life, is the freedom of my conscience. I would like you, my little girl, to think about whether I was right. Another value is work. I don't know which to assign the first place and which the second. Learn to love work. Any work, but one you have to really, to know really and thoroughly. Then don't be afraid of anything and things will turn out well for you. And don't forget about love in your life. 
I'm not only thinking of the red blossom which one day will bloom in your heart and you, if fate favors you, will find a similar one in the heart of another person with whose road yours will merge. I'm thinking of love without which one cannot live happily. And don't ever crumble love. Learn to give it whole and really. And learn to love precisely those who encourage love so little. My little girl Jana, when you will be choosing for whom your maiden heart shall burn and to whom to really give yourself, remember your father. I don't know if you will meet with such luck as I. I don't know if you will meet such a beautiful human being but choose your ideal close to him. Perhaps you, my little one, have already begun to understand, and now perhaps you understand to the point of pain what we have lost in him. What I find hardest to bear is that I am also guilty of that loss. I've heard from my legal representative that you are doing well in school and that you want to continue. I was very pleased. But even if you would one day have to leave school and work for your livelihood, don't stop learning and studying. If you really want to, you will reach your goal. I would have liked for you to become a medical doctor. You remember that we talked about it. Of course you will decide yourself and circumstances will too. But if you stand one day in the traditional alma mater and carry home from graduation not only your doctor's diploma but also the real ability to bring people relief as a doctor, then, my little girl, your mother will be immensely pleased. But your mother would only be truly happy no matter where you stand. Whether at the operating table, at the lathe, at your child's cradle, or at the work table in your household. If you will do your work skillfully, honestly, happily, and with your whole being, then you will be successful in it. Don't be demanding in life, but have high goals. They are not exclusive of each other. For what I call demanding are those selfish notions and needs. Restrict them from yourself. Realize that in view of the disaster and sorrow which happened to you, Vera, Pepic, Grandmother and grandfather and many others will try to give you what they have and what they cannot afford You should not only not ask for it But learn to be modest If you become used to it, you will not be unhappy because of material things you don't have You don't know how free one feels if one trains oneself in modesty how he or she gets a head start over against the feeble and by how much one is safer and stronger. I really tried this out on myself and 
If you can thus double your strength, you can set yourself courageous, high goals. Read much and study languages. You will thereby broaden your life and multiply its content. There was a time in my life when I read voraciously. And then again times when work did not permit me to take a single book in my hand apart from professional literature. That was a shame. Here in recent months I've been reading a lot, even books which probably would not interest me outside. But it is a big important task to read everything valuable, or at least much that is. I shall write down for you at the end of this letter what I have read in recent months. I'm sure you will think of me when you will be reading it. And now also something for your body. I'm glad that you are engaged in sports. Just do it systematically. I think that there should be rhythmic exercises and if you have time also, some good systematic gymnastics. And those quarter hours every morning Believe me, finally, that it would save you a lot of annoyance about unfavorable proportions of your waist if you could really do it. It is also good for the training of your will and perseverance. Your photograph showed me your new hairdo. It looks good, but isn't it a shame to hide your nice forehead? And that lady in the ball gown, really, you look lovely. But your mother's eye noticed one fault, which may be due to the way you were placed on the photograph. Wasn't the neck opening a little deep for your 16 years? Don't primp. But whenever possible, dress carefully and neatly. Jana. Please take good care of grandfather and grandmother. Their old hearts now need the most consolation. Visit them often and let them tell you about your father's and mother's youth so that you can preserve it in your mind for your children. In that way, an individual becomes immortal and we shall continue in you and the others of your blood. And one more thing, music. I believe you will show your gratitude to grandfather for the piano which he gave you by practicing honestly and that you will succeed in what Pepic wants so much in accompanying him when he plays the violin or the viola. Please do him that favor. I know that it would mean a lot to him and it would be beautiful. And when you can play well together, Play me the aria from Martha. My rose, you bloom alone there on the hillside, and then sleep, my little prince, by Mozart. And then your father's favorite, Under Your Window, by Chopin. You'll play it for me, won't you? I shall always be listening to you. Just one more thing. Choose your friends carefully. 
Among other things, one is also very much determined by the people with whom one associates. associates. Therefore, choose very carefully. Be careful in everything and listen to the opinions of others about your girlfriends without being told. I shall never forget your charming letter, today I can tell you, which you once in the evening pinned to my pillow to apologize when I caught you for the first time at the gate in the company of a girl and a boy. You explained to me at that time why it is necessary to have a gang. Have your gang, little girl, but of good and clean young people and compete with each other in everything good. Only please don't confuse young people's springtime infatuation with real love. Do you understand me? If you don't, Aunt Vera will help you explain what I meant. And so, my only young daughter, little girl Jana, new life. My hope, my future forgiveness, live. Grasp life with both hands. Until my last breath, I shall pray for your happiness, my dear child. I kiss your hair, eyes, and mouth. I stroke you and hold you in my arms. I shall always be with you. And the next day, despite international outcry Milada Horakova was executed at Prague's Pancrack prison and again there's just so much to be learned from those letters and as parents there's so much for us to teach and I think the thing that hits me is that these are all things that we know we know them we know to take care of our health. We know to wake up and exercise. We know we should choose our friends carefully. We know we should be our, our own worst critics. And we know that if we have been wrong about something, we should simply admit that and move our minds to what is right and what is correct. We know we should work hard and help people. We know the value of freedom. And we know that freedom must be fought for. 
and we know that we should be brave and that that is possible only through a strong body mind and heart and we know all those things we know them now teach them teach them and live them set the right example by living them because our children are watching they're watching and and you know actually you I think you have to do more than just set the example I think you actually have to to tell them I think you actually have to tell them and you think about the power of these letters the power of these words but it's also a real challenge with kids, with your own children. It's a challenge because there's a whole crazy parental child psychology that's going on here, right? You got the rebellion or the trying to please you or the competing for attention or the I can't do anything good enough. You got all these psychological things that are going on with your kids and it's hard. It's, it can be very hard just to be straight with your kids about stuff. It can be hard not to micromanage them. That's one of the hardest things because you know so well all these things that we just talked about. You know them and you know that they're the best things for your kids. And yet if you push them too intensely, they're going to push back. Or they're going to push, they're going to head in a different direction because you pushed them there. But I I do think that there's some real value in taking the time to explain what you've learned, the mistakes that you've made. And I think it's key not to so much focus on telling them how to live. I think this is the key is not so much focus on telling them how to live, but telling them how you have lived, the mistakes that you've made and how you try to live. So that maybe they can learn from some of the mistakes that you've made without having to learn from life itself, which sometimes life is a much more brutal teacher. In fact, most of the time. And if you have to learn from life, sometimes you don't win harsh yeah parenting is challenging part that i thought think is very important the most important maybe is when you said our children are watching mm-hmm. So, you know, how remember the old saying, uh, do what I say, not what I do. Yeah. That doesn't work. No. Because you tell someone, hey, don't, don't, I don't know, don't smoke. Don't, don't, 
don't try cigarettes. Meanwhile, you smoke. They're going to be like, okay, don't try cigarettes, you know, whatever. You know, they're, they're always watching, like every day, all day, every day they're watching to see how do I act? I don't know how to, I'm a kid, I don't know how to act. I don't know what to do in this whole, you know, like when you walk into a party of mm-hmm. someone you don't know, and maybe it's a really nice party or something, and maybe it's a different culture or something like that. You're looking around. What do I act? Are we taking off our shoes right here? Okay, mm-hmm. we're taking off our shoes. Okay, are we are we are we eating now? Are we waiting for a prayer or something? What, like what do we do? What do we? Do? You're constantly looking on how to act. Now, kids, that's their whole life. Yeah. How do I act? I don't know how to act. So. Of course, you're there the whole time. You got things figured figured out. You got a car. You got a house. You're providing <laughs> my food. Uh, you're going to show me how to act. Yeah. So you start saying, hey, don't smoke. Meanwhile, 100% of the time, you're acting in a way that allows for smoking. You'd be like, okay, yeah. we're smoking. And, and, and by the way, it's the same exact thing from a leadership perspective. Yeah. The way you act as a leader, it's not – I mean, you're not going to have people that are – as moldable as a kid is, mm-hmm. but there's no doubt if yeah. the way you act as leaders, the way your team's going to act. There's yeah. no that's a hundred percent. Yeah. And if you act like a clown, your team is going to act like clowns. Yeah. If you take your job seriously, your your team is going to take your job seriously. If you're very well balanced in between those two, where you you take your job seriously but you still have a good time with doing it, your mm-hmm. your team is going to follow you with that as well. Yeah. I remember when I was a new guy in a seal platoon, I would be watching those my leaders. All the time yeah. and taking you know when they didn't do something when they didn't hold the line when they were late yeah. or didn't bring the right piece of gear it was just yeah you just look at them and shake your head now I wanted to perform but what that meant to other people is like see doesn't matter if we really perform that well look the boss doesn't even perform well yeah and the so point you're setting is you're that watching. example yeah your yeah. your subordinates are watching yeah everybody's watching that's everybody's the thing. Watching. you know how people will be like you know hey I'm the type of person that does this you know I really and Everyone knows, Brad, no, you're not. We've been watching you the, the whole time I've known you kind of thing. So, yeah, especially the, like the boss, too. Even, even I mean, you get all kinds of different people, right, in a, in a work environment. So you, you're, like, driven. It comes from yourself. You're, like, really self-motivated like motivated and stuff. Pretty but, much. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so it, let's even if you have a bunch of self-motivated people, they're still watching you. Like, so if you're like kind of the leader and you're like, Hey, you know, we're getting, we're punctual people. We get our work done early. Like we're this guy. And then meanwhile, you're coming in late or yeah. whatever. The boss is coming in late and he's slacking. You can tell he's slacking. He's passing like his job off, you know, onto others and that, and that kind of stuff. At the very least, they're going to look at you and not have the respect that I think you should have as a, as a, boss or whatever yeah the very least and that's if you have self-motivated people but otherwise the normal situation i man i remember feeling that all the time where it's like this i'm not gonna listen to this guy man yeah man it's you know what's interesting too is just think about and i know we've done other letters from parents especially from parents that are you know headed for death or at least a high probability of death but what would you say to your kids if you knew you were heading there? And, and is it not worth telling them that at some point while you're alive? Yeah. And, and you can you can say, hey, look, if you know I'm alive to tell you this stuff, this is what I want you to know. Again, now what's crazy is even with that, you have you can't override your kids with act this way. You can't do yeah. that. You got to approach it. You got to flank them. Mm. You got to flank them. 
You got. I got to flank my kids. My kid, <laughs> you know, oh, they're not. I think the classic example is my son. Mm-hmm. He, he's good at jujitsu, right? Mm-hmm. He's been training jujitsu for ten years, Dang. right? He's fourteen. He's been been training his whole life, right? But he's he's not as good at jujitsu as I am. <laughs> I mean, he's just okay. not because he's been training sure. for ten. I've been training for twenty something. Yeah, so you can beat him. I can beat him. Yes, yes. Solid. But but check it out. What's funny is I'm his dad. Mm-hmm. So when I tell him, "Hey, son, move your hips over here," he's, dude, you don't need to do that. I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, "You've got to be kidding me." <laughs> You gotta be kidding me. That is the client to me. That's the ultimate example of your kids are not going to listen to you They're programmed They're programmed to reject you at some point. They have to move on right? Mm -hmm. That's the way the species works if they just continue to take from you and they don't reject you at some point and get away from you Then you didn't do a good job as a parent because now they're relying on you so but that comes a little price the price is the rebellion, right? The rebellion's gonna come. And it's, you know, you can, you can identify it. You know, my youngest, it's so nice. You know, <laughs> you tell her something and she's just got the big eyes and she wants to help and wants to please and wants yeah. to do and, and understands. And I'll tell you something else. There's another end of the spectrum too because my oldest daughter, she went through the rebellion. She's already through that. Mm-hmm. And she got through it pretty quickly. To where she would like look at me and think to him think you could see it in her eyes that she's thinking he knows what he's talking about And I'm gonna listen to what he's saying yeah. now. It does. It's probably like a 50% right yeah. there. It's, it's not yeah. it's not a hundred percent I'm not just dialing in a hundred percent victory <laughs> on telling her what to do because otherwise yeah. what's sad about that? This is what's horrible about that if you could get a child to actually do everything that you wanted them to do mm. They would dominate in life Right, because you would just say, "Okay, yeah. I want you to study hard. I want you to work out. I, I want you to do everything that I'm not doing because yeah, I'm because yeah. <laughs> I'm lazy and I fell yeah. short of my own goals." Right. You'd have them do all that stuff. They're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So you got to flank them. You got to figure. You also got to figure out which ones are important. Mm-hmm. Right, which ones are really important. Don't waste your leadership capital yeah, yeah. on you know getting your kids to dress a certain way. Uh, right, yeah. that's one parents will spend all kinds of leadership capital on getting their kids to wear, dress a certain way. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, I mean, obviously you gotta you gotta maintain some standard of decency sure. and cleanliness. Sure, that's another lead by example situation. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. My daughters went through a little phase of wearing the short, really short jeans. Or not, not jeans, yeah. but shorts. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I was walking around one day at my house. I had like a pair of uh, workout shorts on or whatever. I just pulled them right up. Uh. Yeah. And was just walking around. How do I look? Hey, if we're going to show off, let's just show it off. Hey, I got a little something too. I do squats. Check me out. <laughs> the girls collapsed in agony. Yeah. I'm almost collapsing. Dad, stop. No, that's disgusting. Hey, if we're showing off butts, let's show them off. Like yeah. I said, I'm over here on the squat squat rack. <laughs> let's sport it. Got it, flaunt it. You apparently are flaunting it, so let's all yeah. flaunt it. Let's go into town. Yeah. Who's coming with me? Yeah. No, nah, man. No, that's no. Not but, add up. You, but you can only spend so much leadership capital on getting these minor corrections made. What you yeah. want to make sure is that they have good morals and values. So they go, go out in town, they know where to draw the line on doing stuff that's good or not good. Yeah. 
Hey, you know, somebody asked me a, a question on Twitter. I didn't actually answer it fully, but you know, he's like, hey, you seem to be real black and white about good or evil. But I think there's a lot of shades of gray in there. And, and I totally agree, of course. Mm. I mean, there's, there's massive amounts of shades of gray yeah. in good and evil. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, you get to evil. Yeah, that you go from like, hey, this is bad to evil, and you go from, you know, hey, that's pretty nice to good. Yeah, those those are things that exist. Yeah, and you want to keep your kids, you know, out of the evil. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and if you waste all your leadership capital trying to push them from doing okay into good and doing the best, and you're gonna wet, you're gonna wear it all out. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah. If there's some parents that have done a better job than me, that's awesome. Yeah. And they were able to just to keep their kid 5.0 in every category across the board for their whole existence without the kid turning into a crazy, you know, r- rebel. Because that's what happens to some kids that get pushed that hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think that whole, again, that whole leading by example thing, man, is like, as long as you're consistent and you lead by example, they can see, you know, they'll see the benefits play out right in front of their face. Yeah, but man, these again, you can't you can't be like, hey, clean your room. Meanwhile, the rest of the house, including your room, oh, is not, messy. And be, I clean. I tell you to clean your room all the time. You never do. It. No, how's this? So, <laughs> one of my friends, uh, one of my best friends, named Scotty Lewis. He's a cop, by the way, in uh, on the Big Island. So, this guy would. Um, he was never my roommate, but you know, I go to his house all the time, and he was real like clean he's a super clean guy mm-hmm. and he'd get kind of mad not mad but just uncomfortable when things are dirty you know so you yeah. know if they, he has a roommate yeah. or something like that and I remember thinking dang bro Scotty you're real sensitive about that whole thing you know being clean and they're like for real clean clean a clean clean not a clean freak necessarily but almost borderline borderline yes so um, and just from knowing him and stuff I, I knew that his parents they would like, you know, clean his room and stuff like that. Not all the time or nothing like that, but they mm-hmm. were involved in, in cleaning and stuff. So it kind of went opposite to what I thought. You know how like if your parents tell, if you got taught to clean your room from a young age and you had to do it the whole time. Yeah. I always thought that, yeah, that that would carry over when you're out of the house and you go to college, you go live on oh. your own, that you'd clean your room all the time. I thought that that was kind of it. But I started to hypothesize that that's not it this is what it is if your parents provide an environment of extreme cleanliness whether you do it or they do it or both or whatever but the environment is consistently clean when you leave that environment that's will be that'll be what you're used to interesting so it'll mess with you if it's not and that's and sure enough we went to the big island you know cruise with him and uh we go to his house and it's like a museum just spotless, clean, not his, his parents' house. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, yeah, that my little theory I think is correct. Yeah. Like if you're used to so wait, cleanliness. Did, did his parents help him clean or not? Yes, fully. So here, and here's the thing about Because, him. because you could also get the kid that the parents are neat freaks and the kid rebels and just becomes a slob. Yeah. So, and yeah, maybe. Right? And I'm sure there's all kinds of circumstances yeah. that maybe do that. I'm sure. But I mean, generally speaking, the environment that you get used to functioning and in. also there's people, there's parents that are slobs that the kids are very neat and orderly because they don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe. And again, these are all, you know, I'm sure there's so many. Fa- I've never encountered that. Well, my, I think the key is here. What you can't do is just try and push them like crazy. You just have to guide them in what is correct. Yeah. And what you have to really show is like the benefits. 
yeah of why it's good to keep things in order yeah you know if you're gonna spend an hour looking for your car keys just think of your productivity at that yeah. point it's nil <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so you gotta Very watch out for that yeah but yeah that was my little hypothesis i think it's true though because think about like think about just the environment of the the consistent environment that you kind of that it, someone will come from they always in a way sort of for lack of a better term create recreate that environment or try to when they leave so like you know how like kids they come from a chaotic people yell all the time yeah they're gonna probably yell a lot or let's say they don't yell let's say they never swear right like i grew up in a household and they don't swear and swearing's like not that good when they go out they won't just start swearing though they'll, they'll be sensitive to swearing yeah, for That's sure how you know for sure so i think if that again if if the environment is provided consistently i think that's that's gonna have a big Consistency um, goes a long way. Oh, I think it's the number one thing. Sarah Armstrong always says that. Yeah, I agree with her. <laughs> thousand million percent. Be consistent. Right, even like small little things, like uh, for my daughter, for example, it's the the routine is when it's time to go to bed. It's brush teeth. We do stories and questions, which is like just a, you know some story that I made mm-hmm. up, and then questions like basically a quiz. It's like rudimentary education, like solar system stuff, and you make it like a game show quiz nice so it's fun and then bedtime that's it then sleep 100 percent, no deviation unless we're out so, you know. yeah but that's but how you roll that's the routine consistent so now you i don't get any pushback and my no daughter flack. is a pushback she is master she in that the, the consistent stuff she just knows she just go you can be playing she's she's got a little spark to her yeah actually she's got a lot of spark to her yeah Got it from mom. <laughs> yeah, there's just a ton. Of, you know, I as I was going through these, I, rem- I don't remember where I let read the, um, you know, I don't remember where I had read this letter for the first time from Milada Horakova, but there's so much good stuff in there. Choose yeah. your friends carefully. I mean, just, just when she's kicking it off, you know, life is hard. It does not pamper anybody. That's a good thing for kids to understand. Yeah. You know, welcome to life. It's going to be hard. Get accustomed to it, but don't let it defeat you. Boom. Yeah. That's changing of your opinion. One was really powerful. Yeah. And admitting when you're wrong. Like, hey, if I made this, if I made, if I had the wrong theory, that's okay. Yeah, in light of new information. New information, here we go, I'm changing, that's okay. It always kind of freaked me out with politicians. I think we've had this conversation, we've had this conversation before. Politicians, people say, oh, he's a flip-flopper. Flip-flopper, yeah. And that's a negative thing. It's a negative thing if the person is flip-flopping just to get votes. Yeah, and it's obvious. But if new stuff comes to light and they say, you know what, I kind of changed my opinion on that one. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Or the culture shifts, man. Like there's certain things that's even, I mean, back to your thing with the short shorts, that's, I mean, the Mm -hmm. point here is a little bit different, but you have to contend with yeah. cultural shit. That's a new like, reality that's, yeah. for me. Like in, in Hawaii, for example, when I grew up, like just the swimsuits um, were, you know, sure, you wear a bikini, but it's like a normal bikini. Mm-hmm. So I come, I go to college, I come here, I move here, I go back. This is like, you know, 10, 11 years later. <laughs> I'm noticing the bikinis in there is just way less material. And I'm like, dang, this they're showing a lot, but everyone's just, you know, little kids and stuff like that. I'm like, okay. And my younger brother who lives there, he said, that's just how it is now. He's like, man, you you wouldn't have got Yeah, so that's that's some stuff that I had to like go, okay, I'm not gonna expend a bunch of leadership capital fighting 
not just my kids, but fighting culture as a whole. Yeah, yeah that's what you But mean. then there's things that cross the line. Right? Yeah, I'll tell you what line. it is. It's you wearing those short shorts. That's yeah, that, crossing that the line. Cross the line. <laughs> you don't want to see me in those short shorts. <laughs> no, no. You don't want to have that happen. So, um, like I said, ton of good information from Captain Isaacs and from Dr. Horakova. Um, but, you know, speaking of learning and teaching and questioning, Speaking of question time, sure. I think we got a little question time to contend with. Yep. A little Q and A. Yeah, might as well. So let's uh, let's ask Jocko some questions. Let's do that. I like your answers to questions, Jocko. See, that's kind of the good thing about knowing your phone number. Uh-huh. You know, I can just text you with questions, like yeah. pers- my own questions. A gross mismanagement of your time. It is potentially. However, I'm pretty quick to answer yeah. abruptly and short <laughs> answers. <laughs> yep. Because you pretty much know what the answer is going to be. I do, and sometimes you just need that backup. And that's, or that that, that reinforcement, mm-hmm. you know? You know how, like, you're like, man, I really ha- I'm having this issue with myself or whatever. <laughs> you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Jocko. Because it's real, I'm really confused. Yeah. Not confused, but, you know, I'm really I need the answer. Wondering, I don't have yeah. the I'm really want I'm going to ask Jocko and you can be texting Jocko the answer or the question and you're like I know the answer. Mm-hmm. Like as I'm reading this question to Jocko it kind of puts it into Yeah, is. yeah. So I don't send it. So you get about maybe a third eh, like a quarter of the questions that I actually that you start had, had writing. for you. Yeah. That's so, good. Yeah, man. So you, you know the Jocko effect is real. Question number 1. Jocko, I keep trying to ask around my BJJ school if anyone follows S&C program. Now, you just abbreviated S&C. You know what that is, right? No. Oh, it's strength and conditioning. Okay. Sure. A hundred percent. That's like a known uh, that's thing. That's a known thing, especially for someone that's jacked like I know, yourself. Who's into strength and conditioning. I don't write. I've never seen that. Yeah. You know? That's a Maybe real I don't thing. write that. Maybe I just do it. That, ooh, credit. I'm just kidding. Credit. I, I, Mic I, drop. You can go home now. <laughs> Anyway, I'm asking around my jiu-jitsu school if anyone follows a strength and conditioning program for comps, which is competition. Very I know good. That. Nicely done. <laughs> You're up on things. Everyone keeps telling me to just roll for strength and conditioning. What do you think about that? Okay, so rolling is obviously the base, sure. right? You need to roll. And that but that has to, that just doesn't mean include rolling. Yeah. Like we're going to go roll. However, it works out. It means rolling with some kind of structure around it. So you get your short rounds. You got to get your long rounds. You got to get your shark tanks. You got to get your positional drilling. You got to get your consequence free drills. Like Dean Lister Mm. makes us do consequence free drills where you're going to start in a position where you might get tapped out, but it doesn't matter. Right, right. Or you're going to start a position where you might lose position, but you're going to do it anyways. Yeah. And and then Glover, that's what Dean does. Actually, Glover does the consequence drills where you're already st- like starting in the arm lock. Yeah, yeah. Like you're letting a person take your arm and you're starting there and you're just going to see what you can get out of it. Or start in the triangle, not the triangle danger, in the triangle. Yeah. That's some Jeff Glover... Yeah, we did that the other day. Crap right there. Um, <laughs> but 
it's good for you it's good so you gotta you gotta do that you know and the short rounds by short rounds I mean short intense rounds yeah right if you uh, my attitude in a three-minute round is completely different than my attitude in a 20-minute round or even I mean the the ultimate and believe it or not my attitude in a 20-minute round Mm -hmm. is different from my attitude in a no time limit round Really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Right? Especially because in regular training, even if you get the submission, Mm -hmm. if I submit you in four minutes, I still got to do another 16. (laughs) So I might go all hard for four minutes and get the submission, but then I got to go another 16 minutes now. So I'm going to, I'm going to have some tactical. (laughs) Now, if we're now, what's different is if it's no time limit. After four minutes, I get you. We're we're kind of done. We can go yeah, again. Yeah, but, but we're likely. also we can just be done because right. I got you. But if you get them in one minute, we're probably going again. Yeah, yeah. It's like an ambiguous. <laughs> Actually, four like, minutes is probably going again too. But like yeah. eight minutes. So yes. I might I might not submit you in one minute yeah. or even four minutes because I want to get you to a point where I know I'm just going to have to do this one time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the psychology. Yeah. Uh, but so, yes, you have to roll. Now, but you still need to get stronger, mm-hmm. right? And a classic example of this is Big Andy, Big Andy Burke, right? Great jiu-jitsu, but he like, wasn't super strong. Yeah. And I, was, I said to him, hey, start doing pull-ups. Start doing push-ups and dips and squats. Just start to him. And he did. Yeah. He listened to me. And, and in a matter of a month, he felt completely different because he wasn't working out at all. He was just rolling, and he was rolling hardcore, mm-hmm. but just rolling compared to actually getting stronger. I, I, and then he went on to powerlifting and Olympic lifting, and, and now it's like, okay, I got to contend with actual strength yeah. and power here. So that, that definitely makes a difference. You know, his skill was getting better, but it wasn't, I was feeling his skill getting better, you know, but we're all getting better at the same time, but all of a sudden he started getting stronger. So strength, that's the strength part, right? Mm-hmm. Now the conditioning part, same thing. Jiu-jitsu allows you to rest, and that's actually a positive attribute of your jiu-jitsu game mm-hmm. if you can rest while you're doing it, Yeah, right? That's... That's one of the good that's that that proves that you know what you're doing mm-hmm. now That's actually a negative when it comes to working out because if you do something like a row or a bike or a sprint or a Metcon workout on a timer there ain't no mercy mm-hmm. Slacking is not rewarded You're 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 racing against the clock and so those things are gonna push you faster for longer periods of time harder than just a roll well. So, bottom line, for strength and conditioning in jiu-jitsu, yeah, you gotta do jiu-jitsu, for sure. Gotta be your base. And then you've got to do strength training to get stronger, and that's deads and squats and cleaning jerks and snatches and overhead squats and all the key lifts. And do that means doing singles and doubles and fours and fives and sets of 20 I mean it means getting stronger Mm -hmm. and then you got to work your metabolic conditioning and how do you do that you go hard you go metabolic conditioning (laughs) you do you do Metcons right you Mm -hmm. mix in lighter weights doing more repetitions short and you got to mix up the rounds too. Mm -hmm. going short rounds long rounds Tabata do you know what Tabata is yes The, the Tabata protocol I don't know the exact, is there an exact number? There is an exact number. The exact number for the Tabata protocol is 
30 30 nope 20 seconds of work 10 seconds of rest okay so for me that's like the shortest rounds you're doing is 20 seconds of work 10 seconds of rest then you gotta also do long rounds and then you do you know a lot of times I do three on one off for rounds Mm. that's a boxing right Right. a lot of times I'm doing five on one off that's MMA and then above that you start to get to jujitsu which is 10 minutes one off but what's interesting is if you're doing a 10 minute round and then one off and then another 10 minute round and then one off that blurs into one big round mm. so a lot of times when we're getting got a guy that's competing black belch or a, or he's doing a 20 minute fight or a 10 minute fight mm-hmm. a 20 minute 10 minute grappling match one round of 10 minutes or one round of 15 minutes mm. you got to have him take a bigger break mm. in between sometimes during the training so that they're actually coming in there fresh and they can work through the problem again otherwise they're just going through the one hour roll level the whole time, which is not good for him. Um, And obviously, you gotta learn technique, you gotta practice technique, because jujitsu is what's gonna win. And like, I I just had somebody hit me up on social media, and they said, because I I told a story at some point on this podcast about rolling with a black belt girl for the first time. It was the first time I ever rolled with an actual yes. black belt girl, and I was think, thinking, oh, you know, I better right. bring my A game a little bit yeah. so I don't get caught here. Mm-hmm. And then when I, as soon as I started rolling with her, I was like, that's not happening. And the guy says, does this mean that you can't defeat a stronger opponent with jiu-jitsu? Right. And I said, no, absolutely. Um, I watch girls, lighter, weaker girls, tap out bigger, stronger guys on the regular. Yeah. But what we're, what we're what that situation was, not only was I bigger and stronger, but I'm also skilled at jujitsu. Yes. So it doesn't apply. Yeah. And there's this element of jujitsu, and it, this actually kind of goes back to um, when Andy. Mm-hmm. When, you know, when you get Andy with his, his skill and technique, and then you add some strength and conditioning to it, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, so what you do, if you, if you don't have, if you're not big and strong, you can't really bully anyone on the mat. And bully, I don't mean bully, bully. I mean, like, you can't just turn on this, like, You're saying imposing, if you're not, if if you're you're not, not yeah. big and strong. Yeah. Will you, have you ever seen Jeff Glover bully yes. people? Because I have. Well, he bullies <laughs> it in a different way. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, so, and that's what I mean by bully. Like, you can't just impose your strength on someone. Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you. You can impose your technique. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jeff Glover will bully guys on the mat if they're out of line for sure. Yeah. 100%. But in, it's in a different kind of way. So like, you're talking about, you, well, you can't go strength. You can't just start bullying, physically bullying. Yeah. Them. You have to technically bully them. Yes. So I'll accept that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say your technique is, is similar, and, but you have straight up weight strength oh. and conditioning yeah it really plays a big for sure. factor for sure and not to say that you'll be able to necessarily tap the guy out but him trying to tap you out when you have strength yeah. conditioning and size it's like it, it just gets real hard no for sure and unless then, you well you the key component there that you mentioned is that i have to have similar yeah because yeah, you can be a 235 pound like guy super strong athlete yeah. and if you don't know ju- jujitsu Jeff yeah. Glover's gonna yeah. wrap you up yeah. like you don't even know what's happening he's yeah. 150 pounds yeah For, yeah you know, oh, and he and yeah. I've seen him with, do that obviously with one, roughly 100% certainty with will. with yeah well, I, you know even beyond roughly 100% it is really really close to 100% yeah if you don't know jujitsu yeah. 245 pound muscle head yeah 
going against Jeff Glover, you're getting tapped out. Even if you do know Jiu-Jitsu. There's a, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, a yeah thing, for sure. There is a video, I think it's Grappler's Quest. I think it's still online right now. Yeah. Jeff Glover go, goes against this huge guy. Yeah, huge for sure. Guy. I think he, he was maybe. And that guy knew some, some level of Jiu-Jitsu. He was a Jiu-Jitsu fighter, yeah. yeah. It was a Jiu-Jitsu match. Yeah. And, oh, man, it's yeah, it's just crazy to watch. And that was when Jeff was like 13 or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And he was crazy back then. He's still crazy. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, so the girl, uh, you know, the girl thing, and I remember that question it was on Twitter, right? Yeah. It was like, hey, doesn't jujitsu allow you? Yes. Yeah. So again, yeah, perfect, exact. I mean, that that's the answer there yeah. because yeah, you have all this experience, but you know how like how we always talk about like when you lock up with someone, yeah, you, know, you know, you can get a really good idea of what yeah. they're about to bring to you. Yeah, unless you know? it's James Nielsen. <laughs> Then you lock up and you're like, what is about, this should be pretty easy. Oh, I'm yeah. getting swept. Yeah, you're How a little bit confused. For sure, for sure. <laughs> there are exceptions, for sure. But generally speaking, you know, even just, not even beyond just strength. Strength in, in their grip and their rigidity and their, yeah, yeah, you, you know, can their, feel you the, can feel. you can feel the either, the, like they're, they're relaxed. To me, yeah. that's an indicator. Yeah. Like someone that just like, it's one of them, yeah. you, they, they feel relaxed. You're like, okay, this is. This guy probably knows what he's doing. Yeah. Because the person that doesn't know what they're doing, they're going all psycho. Yes. Doing, making like little micro moves that are incorrect. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Just even putting their foot right there. It's like, bro, your yeah. foot should not be right there right now. Kind of thing. Yeah. You can tell real quick. Yeah. So, but it does go into the strength part as well. So like, you know, when you grab someone's wrist or they grab your wrist or something mm. like that, you're like, oh, okay. Because a lot of jujitsu, this is weird. A lot of jujitsu is knowing what's important and what's not important. For sure. So, you know, these- That's not just jujitsu either, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Because I just talked about that with, with kids and with being a yeah, leader. And yeah, you want to expend your leadership capital trying to get your- get, trying to get your team to do something that's not really truly necessary. Yeah. That's not going to help your cause. Yeah. It'll jam you and it's not going to help sure. you in jujitsu if you're focused on something that's not important. And to yeah. know what's important and what's not is very important as a leader, as a parent, yeah. and as on the jujitsu player mat yes. of justice. And <laughs> the mats of justice. And very hard, by the way. It takes like a lot of experience. Yeah. So you consider these guys who are um, like if you do a light roll with a really, really high level guy. You, that's when you can start to see, okay, this guy really thinks that this arm position is really important because he'll yeah. he'll fight till the death to yeah. kind of maintain it, you know? So, but what, back just back to the girl real quick, the, the girl situation. Mm -hmm. When you lock up with someone strength-wise, you know, you feel, yeah. like I said, you what they're about to bring. So, again, and when you have, the more experience you have, the more you're going to know with, like, more accuracy. And yeah. I think that's what you And actually, mean. this point, of taking that point and transferring it into leadership, is so critical and I'll tell you I am really good at knowing what's important and what's not and just being and, and you can see people that get all spun up about things and you know just okay they're spun up about something it's the same thing with family life mm. you know your your wife gets all spun up about something oh my god what are we gonna do Oh, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing and we're gonna be okay mm. you know or, or oh you want to focus all your time and energy on that that's fine go ahead you know, that's cool. I'll support you and you can make it happen. But, you know, think about how important something really is when you're getting spun up about something. Yeah. Just think about how important it really is. There's a good chance it's not that important. There's a really good chance it's not that important. Yeah. There, there's usually four or five things that are really important as a leader that you need to focus on. Mm. And and that list, the further you go down that list, the less important things are. And I see leaders get spun up on things that are on the list, on the list number 47. <laughs> and they're acting like it's the most important thing and it's going to ruin everything. And it's yeah. like, mm, no, it doesn't, does not that big of a deal. Yeah. So learn that. 
Is that why you wear the same clothes every day? You know, I wear the same. Because fashion is not important. It's not important to me. Not for John. <laughs> Those short rounds are good when you do short rounds in jujitsu. Mm. And they kind of trick you, too. Because, yeah. like, Jeff will do that. He'll be like, hey, three-minute rounds. So you have this thing in your head, like, oh, it's only three minutes. Just go hard. But meanwhile, you only got 30 seconds rest before you got to go again. Mm. So you're doing essentially a yeah. Metcon jujitsu. And that's good. That is good. So for that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. It's good. But yeah. Agree. I like the strength. Some guys, some guys say you don't need strength and conditioning because you the more the any time you spend doing physical activity should be on your jujitsu. They that's say. interesting. Yeah. I would like to agree with that. It sounds good, mm-hmm. but I would do if I'm going to do jujitsu six hours a day, I'd still do strength and conditioning for <laughs> twenty minutes, half an yeah. hour, forty five minutes. Well, that's one of the good things about jujitsu. You can have different philosophies and still be successful. Because there's that so is I think, true. I think like I there, think it's Dylan Dennis or somebody. Mm-hmm. Maybe Marcel Marcel Garcia only does jujitsu. Yeah, I know. And, and Dean used to always try and convince me that yeah, I'm just gonna yeah. do jujitsu. Yeah. And I'd say no. Well Dean's all crazy strong though. Yeah, I know he's that's so kinda easy to say, Oh, just jujitsu when my house is. I just do jujitsu and I mean just I, I don't know. I don't do grip strength training. I can hold <laughs> anything for full six hours. Yeah. So check. All right. It is. Next, Next question. question. Jocko, I have a question about leadership. I'm a firefighter and some of the guys on my department have been pushing me to step up and put in for an op- officer's position. And I'm honored. But when, we're, when, when we were going to a call, I was presented with an opportunity to lead and passed it up. I don't know what I was thinking. I can't believe I did that. Did I just lose credibility? If I did, is there a was to get that that back away right that's what he meant yeah if i did is there a way to get that back thanks okay so first of all this is just a general rule if you want to lead always be ready to lead right be ready to step up make sure you're not stepping on people's toes as always but be ready to lead and the way you do that is you think about you what you do in certain situations you should always be thinking about that you should be thinking even if you're a trooper or a follower in a certain situation you should think okay how would I lead what would I do right now what moves would I make what would I do if a contingency happened right now and what are the possible contingencies that I could be looking at what are they and if you're thinking that as a as a frontline guy when the opportunity pops up then just jump on it boom there you go then when it does happen of course you got to Stay detached because you want to make sure that you don't lead too far. You don't overstep your bounds and step on toes. You got to be careful of that. So you need to live with that mindset. And that will make you such a a better leader when the moment does come. If you're always thinking about it, if you're always watching, like you talked about earlier, I'm watching the leader. I'm seeing what they're doing. I'm seeing what I might do differently. I'm still supporting them. I'm supporting you if you're in charge. I'm supporting you, but I'm thinking I might, I might do this. And then you watch what would my what would the results of my decision have been compared to what they did? So you you can be thinking like a leader, even though you might not necessarily be in a leadership position. Mm. So live with that mindset. That's what you need to do. Now, as far as you passing up the opportunity to lead, which yes, you're admitting was an error. First of all, I'll say this: it probably it's probably not quite as obvious to everyone else as it is to you in your mind you're thinking oh man i blew it this was my chance and no i bet the guys went back from that call and didn't even think about it didn't even think about it again Mm -hmm. 
most likely, unless it was just some flagrant, I don't want to lead, I'm right. not ready. If you did that, well, then yeah, people are going to. But yeah. if you just said, if you just kind of backed away from a moment, and people people might have realized it. But anyways, regardless of that, you probably guess what I'm going to say. Then what you got to do is own it, right? You got to own it. So when the opportunity presents itself to explain what happened and what went wrong and what you did wrong, right? Not making excuses, but explain where you were weak, you know? So you say, hey guys, you know, hey, remember that last call? I should have stepped up and I had the, had the wrong mindset. I wasn't ready to lead and I let, not only did I let you guys down, I let myself down. And I'm not going to let that happen again. From now on, I'm going to have leadership in the front of my mind. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be thinking about what needs to get done. I'm going to be thinking about contingencies and how I'm going to lead. And I promise the next time this opportunity comes up, I'm going to be ready to lead. So I'm sorry for letting you guys down. It won't happen again. Okay. That's that's it. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Get the mindset. Live and think as a leader regardless of what position you're actually in, and then when they call you and the opportunity presents itself, step up and lead. Obviously, that's your default mindset now. Yes. It seems obvious to me. It is, truly. Was it always like that, like even before? It's that story that I've told over and over again about being on an oil rig and coming up and guys not knowing where to go or everyone freezing, and, and me going, Okay, let me just step back and look around and make a call. And when I did that, that was it. Hmm. And so I, I. That's when it clicked. It clicked. Or I would say, I guess I was thinking about it beforehand because I was, you know, observing my leaders and thinking about what they were doing and what I would do differently in a certain situation. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, that's crazy because even in everyday life, which is what I represent, everyday life, <laughs> but you know how your wife or girl, whatever, is like, hey, you know. What's the dinner situation? What do you want? Oh, I don't care. Whatever you want. You know, that's a time where I I always feel this, what this guy just asked, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, obviously, it's it's nothing compared to his situation, but they're like, hey, well, you know, what are you thinking for dinner kind of thing? And I'm like, hey, I don't don't care. And that's really how I feel. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm kind of down for whatever Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But that's not why, that's not why she's asking me. She wants me. She wants me to make that decision. She oh, wants me to take the lead. She wants you to lead, step up and lead. Step up and be like, "This is what we're having for dinner. I'm gonna go get her. I'm gonna make it, or whatever." That's what she wants. And yes. really, those little dis- those that situation comes up all the time. That's a good point. Just like you know, the old that the joke. Actually, that's kind of like a j- joke. You know, when you ask a girl, uh, when a girl says, or when you ask a girl, "Hey, what do you want to eat?" And she says, "I don't, I don't care, whatever." And then you say, "Okay, we're gonna go eat here." And she says, eh, "I don't really like of that." Of course. See, yeah, it, it's you gotta. Yeah, I, I feel like this guy. When, when I do that, though, that's the point there. So from now on, you're going to step up and lead. I'm going to do it, yeah. Should, but I want it to be my default is why, you know how, yeah. like, yours is, like, your default. Like, anytime, oh, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Like, okay, you know what? You I, want, I but, wish that was true with it when it did come to dinner. <laughs> Actually, you <laughs> know what? It one. kind of is true because yeah. I only go to, like, three places to eat. Yes. And I, and I go to one 80% of the time. Yeah, same here. So the other 20% of the time. So if she says, where do you want to go? I'm going to say that my restaurant. Yeah. We're going to Raglan's and OB. <laughs> but that makes it harder, though, right? Wait, wait. No. does she like Raglan's, though? She does. Oh, okay. She does. It makes Which it makes easier. it easier. Yeah. But, and if she doesn't feel like it, then she'll be like, I don't really want to go there. Okay, cool. Now it's on you. I gave you my vote. Right. Now, but if you don't want to do that. I, 
but I think you still got to do it. You still got to make a decision. You got to like, because in a way, I'm in the same boat as your second scenario there. Like if she's not in the yeah. mood. So well, I like then, sushi. Then I'm just going to name my secondary restaurant. All right, there you go. Maybe she'll say yes. Maybe she'll say no. Yeah. That got to be my default now, though. All right. Step up and lead. You know what? I, you know what I got to do. I got to prepare. I got to prepare myself. Well, yeah. You know, I got to sh- have like five options just ready to go on deck. That's what I have. Three. <laughs> so, so that's not what you have. One, okay, two, gosh. three, and they all come in the same order. <laughs> all right. I must be go. really boring. Nah. Hey, you focus on what's important. That's yeah. good. Okay. Well, whenever my wife says, uh, you know, well, don't you ever want to try anything new? I'm, I say nope. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Speaking of which, darling. You're my girl. I'm not looking to try anything new. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy, nope. with, I'm happy with having the same thing. Very happy, yes. That's actually, the, I'm going to use that line yeah. right there. But what do you do when the team wants to try something new? All right, let's rock and roll. All right, let's do that. All right. <laughs> Good tips. All right, next question. Jocko, I'm a sergeant in my country's army. The reason that I'm sending you this message is because of a tragic incident in our unit. This week, a young enlisted soldier committed suicide. He shot himself with his issue rifle. This came as a shock to all of us. He was a bright, smart, and happy guy. Damn. I'm seeking your advice, Jocko. Do you have any advice on how I, as a leader, can talk to the guys about it? How does a group of soldier soldiers cope with a loss when the reason is so tragic? Thank you. And, and obviously condolences to the team the and the, the family of the soldier. And I, I think what you have to do in this situation is you've got to, as a leader, you got to bring this out in the open. And I think one of the worst things you can do is pretend that it didn't happen, pretend that the problem's going to go away. And I think what you have to do is you have to explain it, which is weird because in this case, explaining it means admitting that you can't explain it. Because you can't explain it or you're not going to be able to or you're going to be making up something that you're guessing at, right? You're not going to know what individual what what individual situations caused this to happen, you know, because who can make sense of that? I mean, a bright, smart, happy guy, it doesn't make sense. And And, and while you can't explain why you I think you have to address it as a reality and I think you got to address it as something that your platoon needs to fight against just like they would fight against the enemy what is the threat the threat is depression the threat is loneliness the threat is helplessness the threat is feeling like there's no way out and being aware of those threats is what allows recognition of the enemy so that you can fight him. So I think you gotta talk about this with your guys. I think that they will become aware of what they need to look out for in others and in themselves. So they can alert the platoon that you know, John, hey, if you guys talk to Johnny, man, he seems, you know, Johnny seems a little off right now. We should check in on him. We should talk to him. Or self-recognition. Man, I'm feeling like depressed about something. I'm feeling dark. It doesn't, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? And on that last podcast that we did, I read a couple excerpts 
in words from some various combat veterans. And I touched on the fact that several of them from different times, from different wars, had written the same thing, and they wrote basically that death would be liberating. Hmm. And that it would be an escape from the hell of war, or from the memories of war. And, and I should have hit on that harder. Because I, I think that what that means to me, what that tells me, is that is that having those thoughts doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're losing it. These, you know, the, the the writings that I'm talking about, the book, and then the writing from a guy that I knew doesn't mean that you're losing it and i think that people think to themselves oh i'm 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 thinking about how death would be an easier way right now and as and they think that by thinking that they're they're totally screwed up when i think the realities that is or i even think the reality of the situation is that that's obviously a fairly normal thing to think about and you know, I, I, I when I was in Ramadi, mm. I I definitely I I wasn't thinking about killing myself, but I definitely saw that dying in combat was would be a relief to the stress that I was under, no doubt. And and I didn't want to die, but I'll tell you what, we joked about it. I joked about it. I joked about it with Leif. Mm. I'd be like, hey, if we get in a firefight tonight, first thing I'm gonna do is crack a green chem light on my chest so the enemy knows exactly where I am. It's like, we're joking. Because we're under a lot of stress. But I think my, what I'm trying to say is that those feelings or those thoughts don't mean that you're done. They just mean that you're human. Mm. They just mean that you're human. And I think if you keep them bottled up, then they might explode. So that's what I think you need to do. That's what I need to tell your men that these thoughts happen and that your platoon, your team, needs to be on guard against them. And the best way to be on guard is to be vigilant, to look for the signs, to look for behavior and talk about them and then be able to ask for help. It's one of the big problems. Mm. These guys don't want to ask for help because we're macho. Yeah, I don't need help with anything. We're our egos. Are too big, so we don't ask for help. And so we have to put our egos in check. We got to pay attention to each other. And there's going to be some people that you're going to have to pry this out of them, right? They're not going to willingly talk about it. So I think that's what you have to do so that you can get somebody some professional help. I'm not a psychiatrist, obviously. And and in a normal infantry platoon, there's no psychiatrist in there. But you need to recognize because you're the first line of defense. And how can you get that somebody to a professional that can help them? And, and to be honest with you, this doesn't only apply to soldiers, right? It applies to everyone. Don't let these thoughts fester in your brain. You got to get them out. You got to put them out in the light, right? You got to put them out in the light so they, so they dry. They're like a vampire. They dry up and they wither and they they turn to dust. Mm. You know, that's what you want to do. You want to expose them so you can get the professional help and get things under control. So 
that's the leadership be straightforward with your troops tell them the truth explain the enemy threat that's what we're talking about and how you as a platoon are going to look out for it and then obviously you got to grieve the loss you got to mourn your fallen comrade and then you also have to get back to work get back to soldiering get back to preparing for the enemy that you will face on the battlefield with with a new awareness that there's another enemy that can lurk inside the platoon and inside the individual and that you have to protect each other just like you protect each other from a real enemy so that would probably be the the route that I would go good luck brother with that that's a it's a hard one for sure hmm. next question <clears throat> Jocko my leader is not an extreme ownership disciple among other things he's fostering division within our team how do I help lead those who no longer trust in the commander but are awesome guys who want to stay involved how do I bring them back into the fold without threatening our lead or our dear leader all right. Well, first of all, you got to become a buffer between your boss and your team. That's what you need to do. Um, try and absorb as much negativity as you can, and make sure you don't spread that negativity. Mm. Right. This and also this is a delicate situation that we've talked about before. If you completely support the boss and 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 act like the boss is the greatest person in the world, the team is going to reject you, or there's a like a high likelihood that they're going to reject you. At the same time, if you completely reject the boss, then you've actually aided in dividing the team because now the team is not aligned with the boss. So you have to balance. You have to balance this. And one of the best ways to do this is to put, listen to this, you gotta put the importance of the mission and the team above the egos and attitudes. So here's, I'm gonna say something like, look guys, Look, guys, I know we have our differences with the chain of command on some things, but we have a job to do, all right? We have a mission to accomplish, and even though we might not agree with the boss on everything, it's our team. It's our team. And the performance of the team, sure, it reflects the boss, but it reflects us, too. So what I say we do is win. Let's let's win. Let's be the best, regardless of what the boss does or what the boss says. Let's win to prove to prove that even with a situation where the leadership might be lacking a bit, we're so good that we're gonna win anyways. Who wants to get some of that? Right? There you go. Let's win despite poor leadership. That's what we're going to do. And I'll tell you what, in my younger and maybe a little less politically savvy days, I would have said something like, let's win not just despite our leadership, but let's win to spite our leadership. Like we would just perform so well in the face of a horrible leader. We're going to show everyone what was up the underdog Cinderella story we're gonna rock so that's cool you know sometimes you're you're winning not just despite your leadership but to spite them I've done that a couple times in my yeah. career 
not not the benefit, not the best one. It's, it's better to win despite them. Mm. So despite we got some rough leadership, it's okay. Mm. And the other thing is, you, you know, you, you even when you're doing that with a bad leader, you still got to be careful not to step on the leader's toes. And the way you do that is really easy. You give them all the credit. You give them all the credit, and that's great. And that little nagging voice that you've got in the back of your head that wants credit, you know that one I'm talking about, that ego back there? Don't worry about that. I'm telling you right now, you will get the credit in the long run. You will get the credit. Don't worry about it. You might not get the credit on this one or even this week, this month, maybe not even this year, but eventually you will get the credit and recognition that you deserve, that you want, because your boss's boss, he knows what's up. He knows what's up. And your troops know what's up. And so when everybody knows what's up, when you have a truly bad leader, the truly bad leader doesn't, they're not, they're not just walking around fooling everyone in an organization. It's not <laughs> yeah. happening. It's not happening. And if it does happen, it doesn't happen for long. Mm. It only happens, it, there's a limited time that it can happen for. Because every, every idiotic move that that leader makes down the chain of command, at least one out of every five he does something stupid up the chain of command too. Mm. And so how is that group performing so well? We know it's not the leader, he's, he's an idiot. Oh, they must have some good junior leadership in there. Who's those guys? Oh, that's Echo Charles. He's in charge of that squad. And they're crushing it. So don't worry about that. Just lead and win and give that credit away and it's going to come back to you tenfold. That's what you do. Kind of in a way goes back to like people are watching. They're watching. If he's a poor leader, people are going to pick up on that. Yeah, and they're not gonna. You know, that doesn't mean that the boss's boss is gonna advertise that, right? Because right. the boss's boss, they're a good leader. Yeah. So the boss's boss is gonna come and undermine them. Yeah. No, but when the time comes for promotion, when the time comes for a reorganization, that's who's gonna be having. You know, that's where the that's where the adjustments are gonna be made. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. There. But we get so wrapped up. We get the ego gets you. Yeah. The ego yeah. gets you. Yeah. Gotta watch out for that thing. Yeah, to truly let it go when you don't get the credit and you, for real, think that you deserve the credit, to truly let it go, there's a challenge. Yeah, that's a challenging one. Relish in that challenge. Laugh at it. Yeah. You know, good. Boss, you did awesome. Good job. Yeah, because I I feel like, anyway, when that does happen, you know, and it's not even necessarily someone else gets the credit for what you did. It's Mm -hmm. just that, like, something big happened and... It just went completely unnoticed that that it was straight up because of you, right? That's a potential mm-hmm. scenario. But let's say you you don't say anything. I think that there is a small feeling of satisfaction that you're like, you know, you took the high road and didn't I, say anything. I you know, completely get that feeling. Maybe that's my ego. Yeah. When well, I look at me over here. Like, I'm not even saying anything. That, I'm giving away so much credit. I'm the man. That's like the perfect amount of ego, right? Yeah, or, or perfectly directed ego. But because usually. It's eclipsed by the fact that you didn't get your credit. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's hard, man. I want the credit. Got to work on that. Check. Next question. I have a question about the warrior mentality. I recently was dumped on a deployment, and it's difficult now that I'm home stateside. How does a warrior handle this? Is it like any other emotional loss? I'm trying to use this loss and get after it and improve myself mentally and physically. I'm not sure how to properly submit questions to the podcast. 
All right, so the Dear John letter, the old classic Dear John letter. And so, you know, agree, sometimes you can keep it at bay when you're deployed, but then when you get home and you get back to the places, the familiar places where you have the specific memories, that's that's where the pain starts to come in. And that's fine. You know, that's that hurts. That's We get that. Um, but in my opinion, I've said this before, the person that you built in your mind person that you had a relationship with that you built in your mind that person doesn't actually exist they're not real they're not real she wasn't who she appeared to be and she isn't who she appeared to be she isn't the sweet understanding fun person that you cared so much about that's not her that's your memory that's what you built in your head she is actually the selfish self-centered person that cares about herself first and doesn't care about you that's the reality and that's fine but a lot of times the pain that we feel isn't based on the reality it's based on the fantasy so you're feeling pain of losing something that wasn't real so let the fantasy go remember that she is not the perfect person that you built in your mind period she's not Otherwise, we wouldn't be in this situation right now. And then move on, brother. Get after it. Work out. Train hard. Go to jiu-jitsu. Hike. Run. Play guitar. Just get after it. And those things, not only are they going to distract you from the pain, which is good. They're going to improve you as a human being, which is good. And they're going to rebuild your confidence, which is good. They're going to make you feel good. They're going to make you stronger and smarter and better and put you into a place where you don't need that little made-up fantasy anymore. And they're going to put you in a place where you're going to find something better than the fantasy. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, the fantasies don't exist. The perfect girl or guy for you doesn't exist. They don't exist. So you're going to be out looking for someone that's good, but you're not going to find perfect. Don't get obsessed with finding perfect. If you find someone that's perfect, it's, it's not true. Everyone's got their flaws. So that's what you have to do. And, and you will end up finding someone that's real. And, and I get it, man. I know you're going to have some moments down in the hole, as Alice in Chains put it, or trapped in the heart-shaped box, as Nirvana put it, sure. or so lonesome you could cry, as Hank Williams Sr. put it. Is it, you notice a theme here? This is what people go through. But those feelings, they're temporary, so let them say hi. Let them hang around for a minute or for half an hour or an hour or whatever, and then kick them out. Kick those feelings out. Get them out of there and go do something else. Take your mind away from those memories of fantasies and put build some good memories that are real. And yeah, you know what? You can use your anger and your frustration to fuel positivity for sure. I spent much of my youth doing that very thing (laughs) for sure. All those breakups, 
Yeah, Dang, I turn those things into into fuel. And the other thing I'm telling you is if, if you take action with your body, your mind's going to follow. And pretty soon, you'll be on to the next chapter and you can move beyond this bad fantasy chapter that you kind of got roped into. Yeah, man. Freaking girls, man. They can get you every time if you let them. It's so hard to. I've went through this so many times. You know, because when I was a... An assistant platoon commander, a platoon commander, a tasking commander, whatever, what I was doing, right? Mm. But more in the earlier phases, right? Because once I was, you know, a task unit commander, I was dealing with a lot less. Those those problems that would come to me on a relationship level would be something big, you know, divorce, uh, uh, custody of children, yeah, some yeah. kind of domestic That's violence different. scenario, like real things. But yeah. when I was younger, and I was in a SEAL platoon, that's when you're dealing with guys going through the breakup with the girl and the, you know, the... Messing with my head, man. Yeah, it's messing with my head, man. Yeah, of course. Every guy goes through that. Me, you, every, that's the way it is. You get that weird thing kicking around in there and you start getting crazy. <laughs> and what's so funny is, what's so funny is when you're on the outside of it, it's so like... When you're in the heart-shaped box yourself, you just can't see anything else. It's just yeah. devastating. Yeah, and everyone that's looking at you is like, bro, let's just go to the bar tonight and you'll f- meet 17 new girls tonight. Yeah. But I like them back. I love, that was my girl. That was my special girl. No, it's not. Yeah. I remember I kind of had a, this is kind of evil, but I had a kind of a standard response to guys when they'd say, you know, hey, you know, I broke up with Jennifer last night. I'd be like, oh, sweet, man, let's let's roll. <laughs> I would always, and I even carried that, honestly, this is like not something I don't think I would do anymore, but even when guys would be like, hey, man, me and Jennifer are getting divorced, I'd be like, oh, right on, bro, congrats, <laughs> let's rock and roll. You know, I kind of, and, and part of it was Dang. just to kind of spin it, like, guys, man. It's not the know, big deal. It's not the, you need to, you, need, you, need, you don't just wallow in it. Yeah. Right, you're getting divorced. Okay, here's what you need to do. Here's how you maneuver. But l- l- you know, what are you gonna do? You're gonna get dragged down by that into that mire, or you're gonna, be, you know, salvage what you can of your life and let's move on. Let's rock and roll. Yeah. So that's again, it might be a little harsh. I don't know that I would still have that react. Maybe with maybe if I was still in the dudes, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. And most and 99. I had one guy that that that. In, I probably said that to, we have a high divorce rate in the SEAL teams. Yeah, that's <laughs> It's like an 85, 90% divorce rate. So yeah. I've said this to quite a few individuals over yeah. the year. I, I only had one that ever kind of, you know, was was like, no, man, you don't get it. And mm-hmm. I said, no, actually, I do get it. Mm-hmm. You don't get it. Yeah. And it always is a little rougher when there's kids involved and all that. Yeah. So that would put another little horrible spin on it. But... The bottom line is that is a good attitude to have. Hey, mm-hmm. broke up with my girl, right on. I'm glad I got out of this relationship before it developed into something where I did have hooks in me. Yep. Financial hooks, yeah. children. Yeah. All those things. Oh, I made it out scot free. You know, oh, I'm getting divorced. Oh, you have any kids? No. <laughs> okay, yeah. rock and roll. Yeah. You got kids? Okay. Well, how's it going to go? You know, what are you putting in line? You know, so. Yeah. Definitely hard. Here's a question. Have you ever gotten your heart broken? A negative. 
You haven't straight up, even in of course I have, bro. I was I was a boy. Boys get their heart broken. When when? Tell me. Oh, you know, ten, eleven. Yeah, that doesn't count. I'm talking like twenty one ish time. Because you know when you're ten, it's like okay, fifteen, fourteen, seventeen, thirteen. I mean, I think once I was see once I was in the SEAL teams, I kind of had that coping mechanism where you yeah, have because yeah. you're in the teams yeah, now. Yeah, it's got to be hard. Yeah, and the girls are like, mm. yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta just kind of. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the young that's you know the younger days for sure. Every yeah. guy goes through that, and that's that's what's hard. And you know what I'm saying, guys specifically, but the girls are the same way. Both yeah. guys and girls yeah, go yeah, through yeah, these fun. horrible breakups. Yeah. When you and 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 this is the other thing that we got to realize as parents, when you're 16 years old, we you know I look at my 15, 16, 17 year old daughters right as they were growing up, mm-hmm. and and I think oh they got a boyfriend, whatever, he'll be it's, this guy is meaningless yeah. in their lives. I factually know that these guys are meaningless, yeah. in terms of the broad spectrum of their life. Yeah. But guess what? When you're 15 years old and you got a boyfriend, that is your whole life. And so when something goes sideways, I had to say, oh, I had to remember that myself. When I saw my daughter's distraught over something, I'd say, okay, here's what's going on. This is her whole life. And I'd try to explain to him. This guy, I understand that you like him and that he was good and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, let's remember you're only 15 and there, you know, you're going to meet another nice guy and other yeah. there'll be other opportunities and blah 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 but the, of course it barely barely gets through to their heads yeah right? fully they can't even imagine a, a nicer no, guy nicer a different guy, guy? no because no. he's the best no yeah. yeah and so yeah dang bro yeah, yeah you're you're on question restriction from now on no nah, bro <laughs> i wanted to know i think we all wanted to know next question jocko What's your take on false motivation versus authentic leadership? Okay, false motivation versus authentic leadership. Now, there's two kind of um, two kind of ways of understanding this question. The first is from like a really heavy leadership perspective, and that is of trying to lead without actually believing in what you're doing, mm. and that's leading without understanding why. And not believing in what you're doing, and that's wrong, right? And this is in extreme ownership, of course, and we talk about it on the podcast. You can't do it. If you don't believe in what you're doing, your team's going to see that, and they won't believe in it either, which means they're not going to go above and beyond to accomplish the mission, period. So you got to believe what you're doing. And if you don't believe it, then you got to ask the question, up the chain of command, find out why, understand why, so that you believe in what you're doing. And eventually you're going to get the answer, right? Eventually you're going to understand why you're doing something. You're going to believe in it. Or you're going to you're going to convince the chain of command that that's not a good method and you need to go a different direction. And there might be some rare in extremis case where you actually don't, you know, you're I'm being told to do something and I don't believe in it. And I say no, I'm not going to do it. And like Napoleon said, Napoleon's maxims, if you, you, you actually have to refuse to do it, if you don't believe it's the right thing to do, then you don't do it. Mm. That should be a very in extremis because our, as a leader, when we're being 
asked to do something or told to do something or led in a certain way, they're, they're leading us towards victory, right? They're leading us towards an aligned victory. If it's on the battlefield, it's winning the war. If it's in business, it's creating profit and creating a good product and, and growing the business, right? Those things are, that, that's what you're trying to do. So if Echo, if, if I'm the boss and you come to me with, a, with something and say, hey, I want to do this, if it's going to make us more profitable, why would I say no, mm. right? So we're going to move in that direction. Um, so from a high level, false motivation doesn't work. If you don't believe in something, it's not going to work out for you. Now, from a micro level, from like a frontline level, and the buds instructors used to joke about this, that false med- motivation is better than no motivation. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that? Is that a common expression? No. False motivation is better than no motivation. Mm-hmm. And we don't want that to be true, right? Because we want motivation to be this pure golden thing that fuels performance. But the fact of the matter is, and of course we talk about all this all the time, motivation doesn't hold up. Right? Motivation doesn't hold How many motivated people, motivated people, didn't make it through SEAL training? A ton of them. They're mm. all motivated. How many of them didn't make it through training? A ton. Mm. How many motivated people do you see? that don't accomplish the, their goals that they have, yeah. right? <laughs> the world is full full of those people. There's a ton of those people. Yeah. And that's because motivation doesn't hold you up. We all know this. It's discipline that holds you up. It's discipline that gets things going and it's discipline that gets you through things. But this is an interesting little spin. If you have the discipline to press on, why not have a little fun with it? Right, and that's sure. where I think false motivation can can come in, and you can make some, some things fun. For instance, it's cold, wet, and miserable, and we have to go swim over the beach and do an operation. Let's get some, <laughs> right? Sure. Or it's 118 degrees with massive humidity, and we have a 14 kilometer patrol to get to Target. Let's get some, <laughs> right? Who <laughs> ya? Or the water is 41 degrees and we are about to launch on a four-hour dive (laughs) Right hell yes, let's do this right that that's false motivation But it's backed up by discipline and it might not be real But it absolutely beats the hell out of this is gonna be miserable. I don't want to do it Right. What would you if you and I were gonna go do something that was gonna suck Would you rather have me? Say, uh, Echo, I really don't want to do this, but I'm disciplined, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. Or would you have rather have me say, Echo, this is going to suck. Let's go get some. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? You'd yeah, rather fully. have the false motivation. Yes, sir. Strap on the pack and put on the mask and fins and fire up the false motivation. Get <laughs> after it. <laughs> now, I will tell you this. I wouldn't even be sarcastic yeah. with false motivation. I wouldn't even blink. And I actually, my this is the difference. My my false motivation isn't even false. I actually believe my own false motivation. <laughs> yeah, if it's working. Right? And by the time stuff came out of my mouth, I meant it. Yeah. I, I meant it. So I don't know. At some point in my childhood, false motivation turned into like an actual fuel and just, just regular motivation. Maybe it's because I realized that I wasn't counting on it to get me through things. I was just having fun with it. Rock and roll. Do you think also how, you know how you, you like, you'd always say that you were kind of into just being hardcore, in, even yeah, in like sure. normal stuff. Being like, hardcore, working, for sure. Whatever. 
so you know when you think back and you're like okay I'm gonna take the hard route or whatever after you finish it you kind of feel more proud of it for you know? sure like do you think that that played into it like, yeah that it's like I can be more yeah hardcore. for sure for sure be more hardcore yeah. yeah yeah like like I said like the meaning of the meaning of the music hardcore when I was a kid was being hardcore yeah, like yeah. just the actual meaning of the word yeah. and so yeah it's real easy to go from that to like hey I'm gonna do something that sucks and yeah. I'm gonna have a good time with it. I'm gonna laugh about it yeah and that does, and it is contagious. Yeah, you know? so contagious. I'm actually not like that now. And if would you know, say you're gonna like that? No, now? I'm actually like that now. Oh, okay. Not to, you know, hundred percent, but in a lot of things, man. Like my um, my daughter, she's four. She weighs forty five. 47 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I'll be sitting, I'll be laying on the couch, not paying attention. She'll climb up on the couch behind and jump and land. Like, you know what a knee drop is, right? Yeah, you know, atomic knee drop. Yes. For, for a while, just so you know, for a while in my house, there was no rules in my house. <laughs> there were, actually, there was no, there was only two rules in my house. Mm-hmm. When my kids were like, when my older kids were like, you know, seven, six, whatever, that those types of ages that your daughter's out right now, but a little bit older, there was two rules in my house. Number one, don't touch me when I'm eating. <laughs> okay, Number two, no atomic knee drops. Because oh, <laughs> they would do it to each other. Oh yeah, I didn't mind dangerous. them doing it to me, but they would atomic knee drop each other. Yeah. So I had to have two rules, and plus, I wouldn't have a lot of time to eat, and all of a sudden right. it's like they want to hold on my arm. No, 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 get away from me when I'm eating, like a like a rabid dog. And it's funny, yeah. one of them. The reason that's fresh in my mind because we were just on a trip, and and you know my kids were explaining to my youngest daughter that, well, you know when we were little. Dad was meaner, mm. and he wouldn't let us touch him when we were when he was eating like you just did. Yeah, yeah. And Dang. of course, I said, "Well, that's because she's cuter than you were." <laughs> All of you. It's messed up, bro. I I don't mind the atomic knee drops anymore because of you, because of the very reason. <laughs> how to, like you got to be hardcore. It's because like, okay, you got a four year old kid. Yeah. Right. So think of how fun that is for her to attack oh, me, drop you. Yeah. Which is another glorious. reason why yeah. I'm like this now. So she'll climb on the couch, atomic knee drop while I'm not ready, by the way, yeah. onto my ribs. So she didn't break my ribs. She didn't injure me to, to any blasting degree. But if the normal mindset is like, why did you jump? Why did you do that? It hurt. Yeah. Let's face it 45, 47 pounds, top of a couch, atomic knee drop, both knees, by the way, all mm-hmm. the weight, you know, velocity, all that stuff hurt by the normal standard of things so the typical mindset i think would be like don't do that especially the shock and all this right. stuff but default is just like whatever do no factor again. yeah do it harder and yeah sure it is a catch 22 because she will and does and but she thinks it's all fun and all this stuff but yeah that's that mindset and that came directly from you like be hard. it's like Jocko wouldn't complain about that right there. Oh, you're gonna let that happen. Yeah, it's really embarrassing if you complain to your four year old daughter yeah, you about anything. You hurt me about anything. Yeah, right about I, anything. I agree. That's that's that, that's the setting example you were talking about earlier. Yeah, you complain about anything and you're wrong. Agree. Thousand you know? million. So just percent. suck it up. Yeah. Say bring it on. Yeah. False motivation, which becomes real motivation, which yeah. for be hardcore. The only the, like I said, the only sort of reason for motivation for me is just funny <laughs> just funny it's not going to actually get you to do anything but just let's have fun i'm going to do it anyways yeah. i'm going to let the atomic knee drops happen over and over again and i'm going to and so why when i could go through life just experiencing them 
and accepting them. Why not have some fun with the atomic knee drops and yeah. the long cold dives and the hot weather and the, yeah. you know, dehydration and the hypothermia? Why not have fun with all those things? Yeah. And I, I mean, you probably know, but it's unbelievable how much that helps yourself. I, I, you know what? I think maybe because my view of motivation is so low yeah. that to me, it's just funny. Yeah. Like yeah, false yeah. motivation it's is like just funny. Fun yeah. yeah. And, and it, but it is fun. Yeah. It's a fun thing. Yeah, that's what, and that's kind of part of what I mean. Okay, so the you know the the mats. I don't know if you noticed. I brought the mats in yes, here. I did Whatever. Notice. So those mats, there. I think just like sixteen of them. Uh, I forget how many, but they cover a two full two car garage. Covers it perfectly. It's a lot. It's a lot of mats, and then the two inch thick ones. So to move them, you know, up the you know the the, the topography. Mm. Is that even so? You had so you had like some legit challenge ahead. No, nah, yeah, and I'm not even saying that. Here's a, no, no, no. Here, here. This is what happened. But you got after so I came, it. <laughs> so I came in, put the mats right there. Boom. One day, I don't know. Whenever the other day, and then, um, you know, I walked to Jade's office. My brother. You know, he was like, "Oh, hey, what's what are you doing here?" I was like, "Oh, I just put the mats in here." He's like, "You put the mats in here? What do you? He goes, do you?" Goes, what did someone help you with that? I looked at him in the eye and said, "I don't need help." Oh, but it was a joke because that's a line yeah. from this thing. Oh, but I um, but, <laughs> but the point there is just that that attitude, you know, like no, I don't need help. No, I don't, you know, because I'm trying to be like Jocko, you know, fucking hardcore. <laughs> fucking, I don't need help. Little kids can't hurt me. They can't make me complain. You know, it's like your, that mindset. But your mindset and it's, is changed. You are turning into a complete savage. <laughs> Bro, it's way Little different. kids can't hurt you, and you can carry yeah. the mats by your own. Yeah, and here's by another, your own. That's another thing. That's another little expression I used because my son, when he was could before he could talk well, he would he would want to do something. He'd say, "Let me, he'd say, I do it by my own." Right, right. He's trying to say by myself or <laughs> yeah, on my right. own. Yeah, mixed he'd it say, by my own. <laughs> so that became that's how, bro. That became a thing. Here's a legitimate one that that just changed it changed um this specific thing where you know how i'd like i'd be the kind if i didn't get enough sleep i'd just i'd let it ruin me <laughs> mentally <laughs> so, so if i didn't have something specific like right. um uh important to do so just throughout the day oh i'm tired you know whatever so, so now I, I never admit that I'm tired. Yeah, ever. That's, that's a good, great starting place. Yeah, I've even to myself, that, I've explained that to my son. Is is you just don't admit ever that. Don't let those words come out of your mouth. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired. sore. I'm whatever. Just just stop. Because yeah. when you get in the teams, you that's just that's just a, putting up a red flag of being a complete pansy. <laughs> don't do it. I know, man. Don't do it. As yeah. a matter of fact, you know what's jacked up is like I won't even. Let's say you and I were to go out. Let's say it was wintertime and you and I were to go out. And I had a sweatshirt with me mm-hmm. because I knew it might get cold. Right. But we're out already, and I have the sweatshirt <laughs> in my hand. <laughs> you can't put it on. I won't even put it on. <laughs> you can't. You can't put it on. Yeah, yeah. Because then you then you might say, were you, "Were you cold? I'm cold. I need some warmth, please." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dang, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do that too. Or should I say, not do that? Yeah, bro. I don't know. Remember the time? Remember? The, <laughs> I think I told this story before. Remember the time we were driving from LA? It was like late at night, uh-huh. and you're like, yeah, I know I'm this big bad team guy or whatever, but I'm kind of tired right now. And then almost like you just, it was painful to let the words out of your mouth. You know, like you let them slip and it really hurt you. So it was like maybe like three seconds later. You said, but fuck it, I'll just drive to Montana if I have to right now. I'll just get in the mud. <laughs> okay. I'm going to team you guy mode. You can be mode. tired, bro. I won't tell nobody. I was tired yesterday. I was driving. Uh, and, uh, and 
my wife says like oh, are you you haven't been sleeping much are you okay to drive I was like yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, I actually I did the same thing I was kind of like well I'm super tired I can drive indefinitely yeah yeah I don't know though though the, I mean you I don't know maybe you're different maybe not but no that's dangerous, actually bro. no I don't encourage people doing that yeah I don't encourage it that's a that's a horrible thing to do is drive when you're, when yeah. you're super tired yeah yeah don't do that bro on Kauai it's um it's happened here before but on Kauai it's really boring to drive because it's so easy it's just so like you don't so when you get like tired or sleepy or whatever Oof. it's really easy to just fall asleep super easy and that's hard because you can't control it it's like yeah. you think you can just i can control it and sure there's little tactics like yeah. you can like hurt, do little things that you know inflict pain on yourself whatever but man it's really hard to control and once you fall asleep yeah no don't, don't do, do that, that. Don't, don't do that. Do that. You wake up in a bridge embankment, just yeah, dead. Or wake up dead. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. That's not good. The I was reading this thing on motivation, and it said in this book. I'm not saying that this is true or not true, but it said it made sense. Where motivation, people misuse the word motivation, and they confuse it with inspiration. So inspiration is like when someone gets you all revved up to do something, right? Mm-hmm. It's like what you're saying, like, well, you know, let's do this. Or you see a mansion, now Ooh. you're inspired to work hard for stuff or whatever. Okay. Listen to some speech, some quote-unquote motivational speech. It inspires you. It doesn't motivate you. Motivation is your 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 bare, raw motive, the motive for you doing it. So let's say, I feel like I said this before, but the let's say I want to get in shape. You know how girls will get in shape for their wedding? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the motive is to be in shape for the wedding. Okay. So that doesn't go away. So she's not necessarily inspired, meaning she's like, um, she got infused with some feeling, yeah. Yeah. you know, of, you know, but you just said motivation be, it wouldn't go away, but it would. Well, it, no, no, here's the, the thing. The motive that's is still get her there. there is discipline. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Because the motivation is she wakes up at five o'clock in the morning to go get a workout in right. before she goes to work. Right. Th- it's real easy to just be like, you know what? I'm not feeling motivated today. Right. Maybe right. I'll just get the, get the wedding dress, you know, let out a little bit. But, yeah. But that just <laughs> means that the motive, motivation, the motive isn't strong enough to overcome her feelings then, or lack of yeah, inspiration. That's why I don't rely on it. Yeah, because you're not going to find a motivation that's strong enough to make you do the things that you have to do all the time. You don't. You can't. Doesn't exist. It kind of. Well, it depends. It just depends. So consider a fighter. Stop. Consider a fighter (laughs) with a fight. He has to make weight. Bro. Yeah, you're right. Guys don't make weight. Exactly. Guys don't make weight all the time. But I'm saying that's what I'm saying though. The motive. And you know what? You know when that. You know when that motivation failed. That motivation failed. You know, five weeks ago when they when they five guys burgers. Yeah, they had a five guys burgers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. So the discipline holds the line. Yeah, it does totally. Now you can have fun with it. And you can be motivated to have discipline. And you can say, oh, like uh, Pete Robbins from Origin Geese. I was up with him in Maine and he's like got a bet to lose weight. And he hit me with some false motivation because we were out. (laughs) We were out. And, you know, we were, I was ordering big steak and just getting after the grub. Sure. And I said, like how many more pounds do you have? You know we're talking about. It. I was like, does it kind of suck to sit here? He's like, no, I actually enjoy watching you eat delicious food. <laughs> you <laughs> know, you little false motivation coming at you, yeah, but yeah. in a funny way. Yeah. And instead, of letting it out like that, instead of being just miserable, yeah. why not just have some fun with it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my advice. Yeah, fully. But then the difference, though, like I said, I it, agree. You're you're right. I mean, I, the point I was um, maybe making was uh was just the technical difference between motivation and inspiration. 
You know, yeah. you know how it's. A, Can hey, we not talk hey, about that? Hey, you motivated? <laughs> no, bro. You gotta know. You gotta know this. No, stuff. because both those words just don't oh, yeah, do much flimsy. for me. They're yeah. flimsy. They're weak. Yeah, they're weak words, and yeah. they're weak. And the and the actual subjects are weak. Inspiration, oh, right, motivation, right. like yeah. it's not gonna get you there. Come on, bro. It, it might get you through like a the first three minutes of a you know you and I were just talking before you came in here you, you said there was moments in your workout today when you could have easily or yesterday yeah. you could have easily called it like yes. hey man I'm sweating I got a good workout but yeah. you didn't yeah you held the line yes discipline discipline it was actually I created false motive just truth be told you're right but I've created false motivation for myself I said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna do this Actually, it's the way for me to facilitate discipline for myself mm-hmm. is I want to do this because I'm going to feel better afterwards. Oh, yes. You know, that whole deal. You're talking about discipline. And then dude. you contrast it with how junk I'm going to feel if I don't. Weak, embarrassed Pathetic. for myself, by the way. And when I said that, um, you know how workout has many opportunities to stop. Yeah. So one, the first opportunity is in the parking lot. In this case, I, I went to a gym. So, Bro, if you walk away when you're in the parking lot, you got issues. Bro, I've done that. <laughs> oh I've done that God. like four times in my you life. You have to admit that on the podcast. Yeah, you I, should just lie. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, well, it makes this current story okay, more significant. So, boom, that's the first opportunity. Second opportunity is before you warm up, which is pretty close to the, the first opportunity. God. Before you warm up. Have yeah. you ever quit then? Yes. Oh, my God. Twice. Jeez. Well, one time it felt real good because I justified it uh, very effectively. Mm. And the second time I was like, I just got to get after it tomorrow, whatever. Nonetheless, then then it's after the first body part de- or the first sort of, you know, how you have, I'm going to do, you know, Metcon first. Or I'm going to do squats first. Or, you know, it's after the first exercise yeah. or body part. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, one me, opportunity. Uh, like to me, the biggest hurdle is getting there, which yeah. which is when you have your gym at your house. That's That hurdle's yeah. gone. I agree that it gets easier um, to, to hold the line for sure after you start. But there's a part at the end. You know how like how you just said you like to do your uh, Metcon lately, like I've, afterwards. No, lately I've been doing Metcon before and lifting heavy afterwards. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's what which I meant. Is strange. But you're right. I could say, you know what, that Metcon was a little bit heavy. Yeah, so maybe I'll just call it good on yeah. the, the uh, heavy part. Yeah, exactly right. But man, yeah. I feel so good when I'm all uh, loosened up. Yeah, yeah. So same deal with me. And I, uh, you know, every opportunity to quit was passed was waived well done echo charlie yeah man so, last question yeah, i got time for one more yes jocko i am a chronic excuse maker how do i stop making excuses and get things done <laughs> the chronic excuse maker how do you stop making excuses this is actually pretty simple And I said it the other day, and you have to realize, you have to know, you have to accept that all your excuses are lies. They are lies, all of them. Think about the things that you tell yourself, the lies you use to rationalize taking the easy road. Taking the easy road and leaving discipline behind. Think about them. You don't have time. That's a lie. You don't have support. That's a lie. You don't have the equipment or the gear. Lies. 
you don't you don't know the best way who cares that's a lie or you're too old or you're too young of course you're too old or too young lie and there's you're too busy sure you are that's a lie and you're too tired or you're too sore or you're just plain not feeling it lies 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 and the list goes on and on and on and it doesn't stop if you don't make it stop so recognize recognize the excuses are not valid they aren't they're trumped up they're conjured up they're fabricated they're lies and how do you stop the lies you stop the lies with the truth the truth the truth will set you free the truth will stand and the truth will deliver you from procrastination and laziness and the downward spiral that comes with a lack of discipline so don't believe the lies believe the truth and the truth is you have time you have the skill you have the knowledge and the support and the willpower and the discipline to get it done so cast out the lies burn them down and listen to the truth and live the truth and go out and get it done and I think that's all I've got for tonight so echo yeah speaking of the truth sure could you perhaps explain to us how to support this podcast if we want to if we want to sure yeah what you can do is support yourself Mm -hmm. i think i made this analogy before you know in the aircraft right pre-takeoff they go through the safety instructions in the event of cabin pressure loss yeah oxygen tank mask comes down put on yourself before your infant all that i mean that's a good kind of thing where you support yourself then you can help support others. So support yourself. This is how with supplementation. Like it. And again, I'll say this again. I'll say it every day if I if I am compelled, if I'm motivated to, inspired to. <laughs> Either way, I'm now into supplements. Not a bunch, but before I was like, no supplements. You just get good nutrition. Anyway, so krill oil, and I think this is a daily thing. By the way. And I think you can maybe relate. I think daily on how happy I am that I take krill oil. <laughs> but, and it, I don't like thank my lucky star, nothing like that. I'm just saying there are daily things that it's on my mind that I'm like, this experience would be different if I did not take krill oil straight up. That is true. So I got a, a so I back my car into the garage. Right? Loading mats. 
the, oh yeah, uh, that that was another time, but this was more recently. So it's getting filling. You know how you fill up the five gallon things of water. Yeah, and, and I talk about that. So I'm putting it like you got to maneuver it because I sit in the garage. I should have pulled out, but whatever. You're I'm maneuvering. Like I'm that. hardcore, man, big time. <laughs> so I'm maneuvering. Got to take it out, and I don't want to. You know, so you. It's hard to explain, but you know when you're in tight you space. <laughs> <laughs> whatever bro whatever it's true it's appli- it's applicable everyday life the krill oil isn't just for deep squats heavy mm-hmm. it's for taking five gallons of water in a jug out of tight spaces where you gotta kinda twist you know yeah cause you don't want the car door to hit like the other car door it's and good, dent it's it it's a good so time on. to have the krill oil in you yeah man and and really that's well that's part of the payoff as well big part is the everyday things it's true for sure yeah There'd be times where I w- I'd be sitting down a long time and I stand up and I'm surprised on how little pain I feel. Not pain, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you, know, you ever been like that where you think like, yes, I'm gonna f- like, oh, this this is gonna be stiff or this is gonna be hurt or whatever, and it's just simply not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Good. that part is real. So get your krill oil in the event of you even wanting krill oil. These are my experiences. Obviously, Jock was as well because you take krill oil as well. Indeed. Um, get them from on it onit.com slash Jocko if you want the 10% off. Also the alpha brain. So the krill oil, that's like, I don't think that'll ever go away. No. The alpha brain, I am using a lot more. I'm reading more too. Coincidence, maybe, maybe not. One might be causing the other. Correlation may not be causation. causation. But I'm just saying that is happening. And I will admit this as far as workouts go. I'm getting real into the kettlebells. You've always been into the kettlebells. Yeah. yeah. Not always, but, you know, 15 years. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You've no, been not in even, the game for a while. No, I would say like maybe 10 years or something, 12 years. Yeah. Okay, maybe it has been 15 years. Yeah. Because I just remember that picture, Joe Rogan, I think Joe Rogan and I were talking about the picture of Fedor. Yeah, Fedor. Yeah, I looked that up right when you guys were yeah. talking about Fedor Pretty with dope. the pictures of it, with him with all, And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Some of those. <laughs> kind of hard to get them back then, though. Yeah, well, yeah. So I think it was Joe Rogan saying how like somebody introduced him to America, and that's that's why yeah. some Russian guy. Yeah, man, they're they're really good. Um, again, being careful every single moment, but I'm to the point right now where like you know you get kind of good and it gets even funner like anything, and then I'm like, oh, let me get that heavier one now. Let me get the heavier one. But I will say this about the kettlebells, about my experience. I started off the kettlebells getting the, these designer ones, you know. Primal bells mm-hmm. on it. Zombie bells. Pri- actually, I didn't get the zombie. I got primal and then the uh, legend werewolf ones. Anyway, they're cool, right? Cool to look at. So you know who I'm kind of like? Who? I don't know if I should be proud of this or ashamed of this, but I'm like the kid. You know, the teenager gets their driver's license, and there's two types of kids. There's the one kid who the dad's like, hey, you got to learn to walk before you can fly. So you got to like, I don't know, I'll make the down payment. You make the payments. That's what mm-hmm. my dad used to say. Or you make the down payment or whatever. You know, like you got to work for this first car and it might not be the, you know, the BMW, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other kid who rolls right into the BMW. You know, hey, hey good job. You're 15 now. Big, big, big time of your life, time in your life, whatever. Yeah. Here's a dope car. Congratulations. Love you, son. Mm-hmm. You know, then there's that guy. That's kind of who I am with the kettlebells, you know. <laughs> I didn't like pay my dues, you know, when the kettlebells were new and all this straight stuff. Straight to it. Yeah, straight I went to straight the BMW. to the BMW. <laughs> yeah, the dope kettlebells. Do Werewolf. Yeah. Anyway, 
a lot of cool stuff on there on the on it.com a lot of cool stuff on there um all legit stuff that's i think the the real compelling thing for me anyway is cuz i know these supplements man mm-hmm. they're whack i've heard of people getting their supplements and then you know the supplement was like contaminated with something and then they say oh yeah they just mix all the supplements in the same thing and the fact it's like it, it can be really whack nonetheless on it that's the good ones quality so yeah, if you want 10% off on it.com slash Jocko. Strongbone's a good one too for your tendons, in my experience. Also, Amazon. So where do we get these books? Sure, we didn't do books today, but we do what, what, 66% of the time, would you say? Probably something we do like books. that. Yeah, maybe more, sometimes more than one well, book. Well, uh, yeah, last time we did three books. Three books, boom, all on the website, by the way. Yep. So anyway, if you, this is another support yourself situation. A lot of times people ask, Hey, you know, where, which book was that again? You know, and they got to go back. People ask for me for a reading list. Hey, do you have some kind of reading list? I'm like, yes, I got a reading list. It's on chocopodcast.com. Every book that I, and, and by the way, are there books that are there good books that you've read that, that you haven't put on the podcast? Not really. When I read a book and it's good, it's going on the podcast. Yeah. Yep. If I read a book and it's lame, it's not going on the podcast. Now, there's some books that are informational, but they don't cut it for the podcast. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend them. Right. I'll tell you a little. A little. I just realized this. I had a book selected for the podcast mm-hmm. like three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I got a hundred pages into it. It didn't cut the mustard for the podcast. Yeah, and I'll tell you the one of the major reasons for those of you that recommend me books a lot. One of the major reasons that it didn't cut the mustard for the podcast is. Not only was it not a first-person account, but it didn't even have like a lot of excerpts of first-person accounts. Oh. It was just factually, this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened. It was very well detailed. It was a good book, mm. but it wasn't podcast. Because right, if, right. you, if you want to do that, if we're just going to read facts, dates, facts, elements maneuvering, that's, that's you could just listen to the audiobook, right? Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. Or or just go look on Wikipedia, yeah. and it's going to tell you the dates and times and where units maneuvered and who won the battle and how many people casualties yeah. they were, mm-hmm. right? All that stuff's in there. We don't want just that. I want to hear what the people were thinking. I want to hear that from the human beings. Yep. So even though there's people send me books, if you're going to send me a book, look for the first person account. If it's not a first person account, like Machete Season, that's not a first person account, but it it interviews the killers. Yeah. So you're hearing the first person accounts. Yeah, man. Yep, and that reading list. So that reading list, reading list is pretty, pretty well vetted. Then, like straight up, if it doesn't pass the Jocko approval of recommendation, it's right. not going on it's there. Not going it's not on going there. on this podcast. Not going on this and podcast. And then, therefore, no, you know, no, subsequently, no. I'd rather not do a podcast than put a lame book on the podcast. It's yeah. not happening. Boom, and that's the standard right there. So, JockoPodcast.com top menu little thing says books from the podcast. <laughs> All of them. There's by your episode. indicator. Yep. And what I'm kind of starting to do is like, let's say, you know how, I, like I mentioned that book, Mind, it's called Mind Games. Mm-hmm. It's just a small little book. I think it even Did you put it on there? Yeah. Somebody costs, somebody tweeted. I didn't know you put it on there. Yeah. So right I'll on. put that kind of, if, if, you're, if we mention a cool book oh. and let's say, you, for what, let's say it doesn't fit or you didn't get to it or whatever, but there's some sort of a, for lack of a better term, buzz going around it. Yeah, put it on there. Nonetheless, point there is, Get the books from there. Click through there. That's a good way to support small action, big reaction. And if you're just gonna, what if you're just going to shop for duct tape and other, you know, stuff that you need? Oh, do that too. Oh. Click through the website. Boom. Du- double support. Double support. Yes, dang. Still one action, one big reaction. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? 
Also, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and other podcast providing platforms. Uh, that's a good way to support, of course, and also YouTube. Put some excerpts on there when? Yesterday, today, mm-hmm. what's today? Yeah, yesterday. So those are even, and I knew this before, but those are getting more and more, in my opinion, significantly valuable. Because even I, you know, I don't memorize every word of every podcast. But when I go through and I kind of look at it and, you know, and then, you you know, I listen to it. I listen to the three minutes or whatever. It's like a good little reminder. It's like a refresher. And that's not to mention, let's say, if I totally forgot it, you know. Yeah. And, it's like, oh, and shit. not to mention if you hear it and you go, that reminds me of Bill. He's yeah. having that issue. Going to yep. send it over to Bill. No problem. Shareable. Yep. And he's going to he's going to probably watch it as opposed to, "Hey Bill, here's here's the the podcast I was talking about with your issue." It's hey, 3 hours and 27 minutes long. Exactly. Get some. Exactly. You're right. Bill might not listen to that quite yet. He might get around to it. Might not. Not if he's in a hurry. Not if he has a busy life. Still might find a way. Anyway, but they are shareable and they're quicker. So you can, when you click on it, you can listen to them. They're excerpts, including those. And also other videos I'm going to put on there. But, you know, we're working on those. So, yeah, YouTube, subscribe. Get some, as they say. Also, Jocko has a store. It's called Jocko Store. JockoStore.com, that's the website. It's an online store. It's a good one. Just did a little revamping of it a little bit. A little bit more user-friendly. Not that it wasn't user-friendly before, but, you know, you can, I don't know. It's a, I think it's a little cleaner or whatever, um, but, you know, nonetheless, the, the, the shirts are still available there. If you like the shirts, you like the designs, get some. I'm not saying just, hey, guys, support by buying shirts. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying go to the website, jockostore.com. Check them out if you like them. Get them support that way that's how also some travel travel mugs on there some bumper stickers there's hoodies but should we be wearing hoodies right now well we shouldn't here yeah we live in california southern california Mm. some people live in cold places like where alaska oh yeah huh yeah that's true norway yeah that's true also rash guards on there though so is it too soon to have like another rash guard it's too soon huh i don't really necessarily think so yeah i actually think more rash guards is better is better the more the better yeah (laughs) well hey uh we got two out so there's you know rash guards on there as well some women's stuff and um yeah if you want to support that way get yourself a garment there's a sick rash guard the sick rash guard from, uh, like I said, I've been hanging out a little bit with a guy named Pete Roberts from Origin Geese up in Maine. Yeah, my home of record for the military, by the way, Dig New it. England. Dig it. And he made a he made a rash guard like a special Fourth of July day rash guard. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and say, affirmative, it's out of control. <laughs> <laughs> you got to check it out. It is George Washington. Wearing a gi, <laughs> riding a snake, a giant snake, the don't tread on me snake. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I, I don't know if he's going to make a lot of them, but if you don't have one, I think we all should basically have one. <laughs> Originmain.com, you can get one of those. 
Origin Maine. Origin Maine. M-A-I-N-E. Yeah. OriginMaine.com. Yeah. And what, you know where, you know where they're made? Why don't you guess where they're made? Well, you figure Maine. No, you figure, oh, well, he's, if he's, if he's getting a rash guard, they're probably made in China. Maybe. Or maybe they're made in Pakistan. Maybe. Or maybe they're made in Taiwan. Maybe. But there's also a whole bunch of places that make them like Sri Lanka mm. and Vietnam and Thailand. Maybe they're made there. You'd be wrong on every single one of those because you know where they're made? America. <laughs> they're made in Maine. Yeah. So you might want to order one. But do they source like the material? Everything. From, like... It's from May. It's from America. <laughs> Pete's crazy. Pete. He doesn't play around, especially yeah. woven. He's woven as he, he weaves his own material for geese to make geese with. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. That's straight up made. That's made in straight America. up. That's yeah. this, this made in America. The cotton comes from South Carolina or something. Yeah. yeah. Shipped up to Maine. Looms. You know what? A, you even know what a loom is? Uh, yeah. Fruit of the loom. So it's like here. And here's how I put it together. Ultimately. So loom, it makes, uh, you know, it weaves stuff, right? Yeah. It's a little, it's a basically a big weaving machine. I mean, there's more mm-hmm. to it than that, of course. So now remember the brand, Fruit of the Loom? Yeah. Oh, so I get it. So it's like, yeah, that's the fruit. The fruit of the loom. The well, there you go. Origin actually has their own looms. Once again, here in Maine. Yeah. In your hometown. Layers, <laughs> bro. State, layers. Kind of. Layers. Anyways, yeah. check those out. Yeah. And you'll, you'll be, um. To say you'll be fired up, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say you will be. Inspired. And it's funny, too, because the uh, the rash guard design, the American, the uh, 4th of July rash guard design, mm-hmm. it's, you know how things can get so over the top that they actually become cool? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think it. that's where it's at. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. where it's at. And yeah. Like me, I'm all about the subtle designs, right? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I, what, what, what should we do? Black. Make it black. Yeah, yeah. And then don't put much on it. That's yeah. me. He was, uh, took the other direction. <laughs> I'm going to have a giant snake. I'm going to have George Washington with a black belt on the in gi. an origin gi. I'm going to have, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. America. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like on Kauai when you go to the North Shore mm-hmm. and you can go north, 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 or you can go west, 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 and you go too far because Kauai's like a circle. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, you're essentially at the same place. Well, yeah, that's. Yeah, see. Oh my, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. At first I wasn't following you. Yes, you do get to the same place. Yeah, so you went he went too crazy, he went too crazy, but he went so far in the world in the realm of crazy that it became dope, you know? Cuz you mm-hmm. have like we we consider dope is like the perfect mix of oh. crazy and understated and oh. current contemporary or rebellion against. Yeah. But he went in that one direction that you don't really go for, you know, mass acceptance and then he took put took it too far. And now it's right into right where it needs to be. Dopeness. <laughs> Speaking Dope. of dopeness, go psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's a question, tough question. Psychological warfare is this false motivation? Wait, wait. Let me explain what it is. So, psychological warfare is an album with tracks of Jocko saying, basically, you know, in moments of weakness on your journey. Whatever, waking up early, sticking to the diet, you know, trying to get stuff done, you know, anti-procrastination stuff. You can play these tracks and Jocko will tell you how to get over that weakness for that moment. So the question is, is that false motivation? 
Because you did mention that you can use the false motivation. Yeah, well, maybe you are at that point. Right? It is possible. You just can't depend on it. You can't be like, hey, this this is my yeah, whole thing. No, yeah, that's a good point. It's going to get you there, but you ha- if you're not disciplined yourself, those tracks aren't going to do anything for you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe. So well, yeah. <laughs> these mics, yeah. they are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're pretty powerful. The, it, well, it's like uh, I was saying, and I know like we got to make psychological warfare too. Uh, I, I've, I gotta continue to gather a couple more tracks that I'm thinking about yeah. and what people have been asking for, so that they can, you know, have a little, little spot if they need it. Spot psychological exactly spot. Right. Yeah. So just you know like, what I was thinking of naming spi- psychological warfare too. What psychological warfare too. <laughs> Dang, bro. Dang. Advance, bro, advance. But yeah, that is what it is. It's a spot. So just like false motivation, that can be just like a spot. Like you can't roll into the gym with your workout partner and be like, hey, I'm going to get under this bench. It's 405 on there. I want you to do the whole thing. I want you to upright row. Yeah, that ain't a lot. You know, yeah, you don't. That's not what a spot's for. It's not what any of this thing is for. It's I'm going to do this in the unlikely event that I run into Something that might cause me to fail, you got me that rest of the way. That's it. That's what psychological warfare is too, by the way. But in my experience and opinion, you can lean on that pretty heavily. It'll get you through. It's my opinion. Also, Jocko White Tea on Amazon. You can get that there. Mm-hmm. And I guess I got asked on Twitter if I ever used any performance-enhancing drugs. You know? <laughs> And I said sure. no, yeah. but honestly, let's just go ahead and face it. Um, white tea is kind of the king of performance enhancement as far as I've seen. So obviously, it's the only substance on the market that is guaranteed to add 7,554 pounds to your deadlift. So... Is that performance enhancing? Probably. Yes. Luckily, it's not being tested for right now. You know, yeah. by the USDSASP. <laughs> you saw that? Yeah, them. So, so, so right now, you can get it. Yeah, get it. You can just get that massive increase in everything that you do. That's cool. Also, way the warrior kid. And man, so many people have been posting pictures of kids doing pull-ups and kids pulling tires and kids studying flashcards and kids making their own warrior kid codes and memorizing the presidents and it's honestly it's awesome to see kids in their first jujitsu class it's so good to see so thanks everyone that has posted that and and shown what's going on and spreading the word thank you for doing that and if you really actually want to support this podcast don't worry about the podcast don't support the podcast don't worry about it go buy this book for some kids that you know because the feedback is just it's awesome it's awesome to see and i can see that is absolutely impacting kids and i just couldn't be happier about that and if you want to help don't worry about me don't worry about echo charles get get this book for some kids it's the book we should have had when we were kids. Agree. Get kids on the right path. I guess if you really wanted to support, you could you could get it through Amazon. Click right. Through. Yeah. Then you'd be good. Do double gravitational. Double gravity. <laughs> also, discipline equals freedom. Field manual. So many questions that I get asked are answered in the book beyond what I you know workouts, food, sleep, 
plus it's also contains the core of my belief system what keeps me going how I overcome setbacks everything it's all in there and I'll tell you it's not a normal book mm. this is not normal this is not a normal book in any stretch my publisher says he's never seen a book anything close to this it's outside the box of anything I've never seen anything like it so we went, we're going out on a little limb here yeah it's sort of like the podcast because mm-hmm. there's not too many pod there's no podcast that's doing what we're doing is there sure. I don't know well, I haven't heard one. Not that I know of. I haven't heard one. Yeah, me neither. So it's sort of like that. Yeah, yeah. We're entering the same zone, in my opinion. There's words there. There's pages there. Yes, like normal books. But there's patterns there. There's layers there. <laughs> and it comes out October 17th, so order it up. You can get that first batch. You want the one that says first edition, right? Sure. It's the one you want on the inside cover. One that says first printing. That's the one you want. And also, you know, get, you know your friend that's off the path? You know? Yes. Your I friend. Do, oh, time. you grew up with this friend, they're off the path. Get one for them. <laughs> it's not normal. Not a normal book. Yeah. The one that needs discipline, get him this book. Mm. Also, of course, extreme ownership, combat leadership, lessons from the battlefield to use in your business and your life, wherever you're leading. Whoever you're leading, extreme ownership. You can pick that one up. Also, Echelon Front, Leadership and Management Consulting. Me, Leif Babin, J.P. Dinell, Dave Burke. You want to get your leadership team unified? Email info at echelonfront.com. We'll come and make it happen. And finally, the muster. The first muster that we did in San Diego, sold out. The one we did in New York, sold out. The one we're doing in Austin, sold out. So if you wanted to come to those and you didn't make it, sorry, you know. But we are back in San Diego, September 14th and 15th, back at the Omni Hotel downtown, Muster 004. New material, by the way. New material, but same attitude. Same passion. We're going to bring it. We're going to burn it down. We will see you there. And until we do see you there, we'll see you on the interwebs. On Twitter, Instagram, and that's Facebooky Boach. Echo is at Echo Charles, and I am at Jocko Willink. And thanks. Once again, for listening to those in uniform, especially those overseas, thank you for being strong and brave and standing up for what you and we believe in. And also thanks to police, law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, and other first responders. Thanks for keeping us safe here at home and to everyone else out there. Like First Lieutenant Leonard Isaacs asked, see how you can help people. Ask how you can help them and clean up what's around you. And never run away from something you're afraid of. And as Dr. Horakova told us, Whether you're at an operating table or a lathe 
or a sewing machine or on a construction site or your child's cradle or wherever you're working. Do your work skillfully, honestly, and happily and with your whole being. Do your best in everything you do. And as they both taught us, remember. Our time here is short. So get out there and live. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.